This is The Monty Show, the truth in sports talk streaming. When you want unbiased opinions about your favorite team without the spin, all you have to do is find The Monty Show, streaming live and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on YouTube. And now, here's Monty. How the heck are you? The Monty Show, Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. No, they have not found the submersible yet. (laughs) They have not found the Titanic sub. You guys, tell me you're not fascinated by the Titanic submarine. The Titanic's there. I mean, they, I, I'm you know. all, well, I know where the Titanic is. I don't know where the submarine that's controlled by a PlayStation. Did you hear um, the, the submersible that sank is controlled by a PlayStation remote control? I, I It's an amazing story. We got to get into that. I, I think it is the most fascinating news story currently happening. Yeah. Not the election stuff, not the political stuff, not none of that. The submersible that sank trying to go to something we already know is rusted in a bucket of bolts at the bottom of the ocean. It's not good. Like, what was the fascination? Did you really have to go to the the Titanic? Did you really have to go, like, down and see it? Apparently, I I I am to, I am amazed by this, and I think I'm probably the only one that's amazed by it. Mm-hmm. But I just I can't even believe. It, it, at least if it was a real submarine, I could be like, okay, cool. They got on a real submarine. They went down to the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but no problem. But they didn't. They quite literally got in a canister. With a PlayStation controller <coughs> and <coughs> dove to, what is it, two and a half miles? Two and a half miles below the surface of the ocean. Unbelievable. And they're probably all dead. They're probably all dead. And there's no, like what, you got on there, you put on your seatbelt like, yeah, this was a good idea. $250,000, that's a good idea. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Um, Raider Mark asked the same question I asked when I found out about this. Did they have a quick charge for the controller? No. no. And I'm guessing the controller died and so did they. No, like, they did not, dude. This is amazing. This is a ama- NY Monty fan. Holy cow. He's back. Wow. Nothing has sparked more than the Titanic, not even Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> NY Monty fan, yeah, good to I mean, see you. I mean, this is a full soaker story. Dude, I, I, I'm stunned by it. I am stunned by this. Cougar Tail says, apparently not a good submarine. It's, but this is the thing. It's, they, didn't go, they didn't go on a submarine. They went on a submersible. Which is very different. Than a submarine. I, I mean, come You're on. You're not talking about a naval submarine that can handle extreme conditions. Dudes. The guy who founded this got sued and settled out of court on a whistleblower case because one of his former employees said, hey, by the way, uh, yeah, they didn't reinforce the hole. It's dangerous. And oh, by the way, they're controlled by, uh, you know, PlayStation controllers. Dude. And now all of a sudden this has happened. Oh. And there was a CBS News story about this where the reporter Quite, look at the reporter. This is a this is from CBS News. The guy whips out the controller. The guy whips out the controller 
And the reporter from CBS News starts laughing at him. Oh, what are you talking about, man? This is legit inside. You see that green button right there in the top right corner? That's the only button on the entire thing. Everything else is run by that screen and the, and the PlayStation remote. And this thing, like, I'm just curious. So this is what it looks like, right? This is the, this is the whole Ocean Gate thing. This guy's name is Stockton Rush. He's the founder of Ocean Gate. And he just loves him some of this PlayStation remote thing. That's the founder sitting inside the submersible that is now missing. I mean, as usual, and I'm uh, no all jokes aside. I mean, this is someone who who clearly is passionate about ocean travel and and exploring the ocean. And you know, it's really unfortunate, man. It is just really unfortunate because uh, mm. the ocean does not care this is this is the story of the plane that just disappeared and nobody knows where it went i need to know where this little submersible thing is yeah i doubt they I, find I, it. I i can't even conundrum says they should have used duracell batteries you know bro the the dead battery take is getting old dude come on last words on the mothership what does this button do <laughs> Oh, shit. But I want to be the customer who's like, yeah, I'll pay $250,000 to die, to go see the, the Titanic. Maybe we can catch up and uh, I wonder if we can... I've been a rich man yeah, and I have been know, a poor man. I, I've, I've got money to burn. I wonder if they're still playing on the deck of the Titanic. Why don't we go find out? <laughs> you know, I want to understand the thought process of the guy because one of the guys, the richest man in Pakistan took his son on this on this thing in this tuna can. I want to I, I want to be in that guy's brain and I want to have I want to be there and understand what you saw either like on the CBS news reporter when you walked up to this thing you're like, "Yeah, let's get in this thing and let's go two and a half miles down to the bottom um, of the ocean and um, it's a 12-hour um, trip down around the Titanic and back up 12 hours, dude. 12 hours they lost they lost con contact an hour and 45 minutes in. And right now, they've got about 30 hours of oxygen, breathable oxygen left on the vessel. But they say the oxygen level isn't what's going to be the problem, that they're going to die from hypothermia because it's like freezing cold water it's at that time. It's 32 degrees yeah. at that time. Good, good night. Good night. Good night. I'm out. Like, <laughs> Is this not one of the worst ways to die? Because you know you're fucking dead. Like, yeah. you know it's over. You're in a submersible. Freezing. A, you're freezing cold. You are trying. They say one of the biggest issues is, when, I guess, when you're dying from hypothermia, you want to fall asleep. And if you fall asleep, you'll never wake up. So I have to imagine they're all trying to keep each other awake. And they're just trying to hope beyond hope. And at some point, aren't you like, yeah, I guess it's time. You know. I guess it's time. I mean, wouldn't you rather, uh, like, I'd rather go to sleep than drown, I can tell Man, you that. 12 hours. Yeah, exactly, Bryce Martin. No, the answer's no. Hey, you want to go, you want to get in this little tube for 12 hours and go two and a half miles to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean? Seems like a great opportunity to slurp and splash. No, the answer's no, I don't. No, actually, I don't. Thanks. I don't. It's not the best situation, it, it, and we all know I, that. I, you know, like, are like you kidding when Buddy me? Whipped out the PlayStation controllers. You were crawling in the the tuna hey man, can. How do you drive this I thing? Mean, are you not just saying, "Hey, 
yeah, this prob like are your it, survival instincts, right? We all have them. Are you not just like, yeah, boy, this is kind of sketch, uh, dude. It, like, wait, did he? Did he oh, just I take thought, out a game console? I thought controller? we were gonna play Mario Kart with that. Are, what do you mean that's how you drive this um, thing? Um, Why um, didn't you tell me that like thirty minutes ago when we started diving down? Because I'm kind of changing my mind now, sir. Right, like, and I love on I love on MSNBC. One of the people on there was asking this morning, "Hey, you know, oh, I hope they had their life jackets on." Their life jackets, bro. Dude, they're two and a half bro. miles down, bro. Well, life jackets ain't, ain't, ain't gonna play no down, role. Bro. Like, are you serious? Yes, Rice Man, the hunt for Red October. Exactly, the traveling pokey. Says I'm no engineer, but they really are. Uh, there really wasn't any safety features to bring the sub back to the surface, which I just don't understand. There wasn't. It, it's incredible. I just can't. Yes, yes. Sounds exactly like the Russian Kursk sub disaster. Yes, it does. Where you just find like when you have when you're in a submersible or a submarine and you have a problem, you're dead. Yeah. There's no like, hey, well, yeah, let's just go up. Yeah, can we take this thing back you know. up? I'm I'm done now. No, you can't. You realize also it's one cabin. You're all there's five people sitting in this room. Sitting around a campfire, dude. And there's a hole in the floor for the bathroom. So if you got to take a leak, you go in the Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh Marlon Shaw, how long did it take to find the Titanic? It's a little bigger than the submersible. I don't think they have much of a chance to find it. No, it's over. You're never finding it. It's over, it. dude. You're never finding and the, it. And the only question is, are they dead already? Or 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 what exactly happened here? Dude, I hope that they died a rapid, rapid death. I, yeah, I dude. can you imagine being down? But, but like you, if you have 40 out, like right now, they supposedly right now have 30 hours of air left. I don't want to be alive for that 30 hours because they're not finding us. They're not, they're, they're not finding us. It's yeah. over. We like, just like, are you, are you just reminiscing with each other? Like, what are you talking about? Are you talking at all? Are you like, I don't know what you do. Well, I think there's phases to it. So initially, once you realize you have a big problem, the panic starts to set in, right? I mean, at some point you're panicking. And then, ah. and then, then you start to be like, oh, okay, well, how do we, how do we communicate? How do we, do we have a, you know, like, is there a flight recorder version for a submarine? Is there some sort of ping? Is there like, is what there do we some do? way that I can leave a message for my wife? Exactly. Like what, 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 what options do we have, if any? And so to me, th that was my thing with this whole story. All mocking aside. Yes. Why would you get in something going on a venture like this? Dude. At those depths, like, I, I, again, did this you is, ask these questions before you left the dock? And I'm not a big ocean guy. Like, I'll do a snorkel boat or like a little oh, cruise, dude. but I, I'm not interested in like scuba diving or I'm not interested, bro. And 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 this is this is what I say. This type of thing is terrifying to me. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I, I you mean, know can what, you man? Imagine, can you imagine the terror that goes through you when you realize, yeah, dude, like this is it. This is how I'm going to die. In a submarine, my family's never going to see me again. Uh, I may drown. I may freeze to death. Uh, or maybe, and, and, and again, I'm not trying to be grotesque here, maybe the thing just imploded on itself. Maybe well, that's never the theory. Like, that's maybe the just... theory is because, and real quick, and then we'll move on. 
the the pressure is what is deadly at those depths. Yes. When you're two and a half miles on the ocean floor, the physical pressure being a, a applied to your body is what would kill you. And they're surmising, there's a lot of people guessing that the craft, the submersible tube mm -hmm. that they were in could not, could th it, on this particular trip, could not sustain the pressure and it, it just imploded. It just collapsed and it killed everybody. Because you can't breathe, you can't, you're just crushed to death. It's like a building fell on top of you. Yeah. You're just dead because your, your body just gets crushed. And I, I, I don't wish that on anybody, but I, I, the yeah. worst thing in the world would be like a slow water leak, but you would be dead. It would crush you. Right. Yeah. The worst thing then is that you, you lost power and you just floated to the bottom of the ocean floor and you're going to sit there for 30 hours and die. That would be the worst, absolute worst way to go about this. Mm -hmm. So I'm fascinated by it. Thank you for spending 10 minutes indulging me on um, the submarine that they are, not the submarine, the submersible. Everybody is very passionate about saying it wasn't a submarine. It's a submersible. So, yeah. Okay. I totally get it. The Monty Show presented by The Advocates. Theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. You know, the, the amazing thing is that we don't think about um, our communities. We don't think about the toll that accidents take or, hey, if you get hurt at work, you know, like you don't, if you work in a fast food restaurant, you know, like uh, Trevor, one of the attorneys from the advocates is going to join us at four. And there's this story out of Louisiana about an Arby's employee who got locked in a freezer. That's a workman's comp case. And I think people don't think about that. It doesn't matter where you work. If you make $5 an hour or a million dollars an hour, if you get hurt at work, you need to get to The Advocates, theadvocates.com, where you never pay them a penny. You never, ever go in your pocket at The Advocates. You will never pay them out of pocket. See, because you don't pay The Advocates unless and until they win your case, theadvocates.com, utahadvocates.com. Chat with an attorney live online for free. I know a lot of people don't like calling and having personal conversations. You can chat with an attorney live on their website, 24-7, 365 for free because they don't have consultation fees. They don't have retainers. Chat with an attorney for free, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. I think uh, without a doubt, the update on um, as the Pac-12 burns. And I think the biggest question right now is, will the Pac-12 be able logistically, uh, financially, in all of these situations, will the Pac-12 be able to expand? And the bigger question for me is, why is everybody so excited about SMU? And I'm a huge supporter of the state of Texas. I believe in the Dallas market. I believe that the state of Texas pretty much belongs to the Big 12 and what doesn't belong to the Big 12 belongs to the SEC. And I think when you look at the fact that A&M, Texas, Baylor, Houston, you look at TCU, the biggest, baddest mofos in this conference are already spoken for. And it's why I struggle with the thoughts about SMU and Rice being attractive to the Pac-12 because this conference needs and deserves better than that. And there are alternatives. And look, I understand that there's a lot of people in the Pac-12 who don't want to go to Louisiana to get Tulane.
who I think is absolutely the perfect fit. Academically, athletically, philosophically speaking, they are a perfect fit for the Pac-12 other than they are on the eastern side of Texas. And as we've reported on this show now for several months, there are presidents in the Pac-12 that are hesitant to go past Texas for expansion and thus why you hear so much about SMU and secondarily Rice. And I think it's a no-brainer for this conference, the Pac-12, to add San Diego State. But Jake, are you in favor of the Pac-12 going and getting SMU? Yeah, I think it's I, – I, I wouldn't say that I'm in favor of it. I, I, I think that it's it's just an ad out of necessity. Like you're just basically trying to be able to run the narrative out there that you've expanded and, and you found a school – uh, further east, basically. I mean, I, I, again, I just it's not like you're adding a school that, that all of a sudden just adds a ton of value. It's not like you're adding a school that's like, holy cow, like this this is a difference-making ad. It's not like SC to the Big Ten or, or, or OU in Texas to the SEC. Like, it's not like one of those additions. And so, you know, am I in favor of it? I mean, I guess, like, I guess it helps you. It helps the long-term viability in a sense. But at the same time, you've not really improved anything. And, and that's where I feel like the Pac-12 is kind of at, where they can say, yeah, we expanded, we expanded, we expanded, but we expanded with San Diego State and SMU. Like, it kind of lacks that punching power, if you will. Kind of lacks that that hit home, feel big story power. And and that's what I think the struggle is. And so, you know, I, I just think this obsession on, you know, expanding with San Diego State and SMU is unfounded until you prove that you have uh, uh, a media rights deal, number one, but then number two, a grant of rights to keep everyone together. I, I mean, if we're sitting here talking about adding San Diego State and SMU to a six-team conference, who yeah. cares? Yeah. Who cares? I, I mean, it just doesn't, it's of no I, consequence. I think it's an excellent point. And I think that's why today we're asking the question, do you believe that the Pac-12 will be able to expand? Because I'm not convinced that the Pac-12 is going to be in a, a financial situation, in a logistics situation. I'm not sure that you're going to be in a position to expand. And I, I go back to this San Diego State situation that is, I don't, know, I don't want to be over dramatic about San Diego State, but I, I think it is a really difficult situation now that's been complicated. And I think part of this that, that people don't want to talk about is whether San Diego State wants to or not, admit that they screwed this up with the way they wrote this letter. And President Delatore wrote a letter not to the conference. Our sources tell us that President Delatore wrote that letter and she copied every president in the Mountain West when she sent that letter to the conference, which and I don't have any reason to question my source at the conference, which triggered the, that was the actual mechanism for how San Diego State and how the Mountain West view this so differently. The Mountain West got that email and apparently President Delatore wrote this letter, attached it to an email last Thursday evening and copied every Mountain West president on that email and then sent it to Gloria Navarez. And from the Mountain West perspective, I am told that triggered the, the exit clause mm -hmm. because the main, and, and, and the word that was used, the, the main trigger in the clause is 
You have to notice the conference and all of its membership of your intention to withdraw. And isn't that exactly what San Diego State did? Yeah. And then you said, no, I didn't. I was just asking some questions. Well, then why did you copy every president in the conference? Because you either didn't know what you were doing or you thought you were kind of being that guy who's like, hey, here's where we're at. We're, we want a deferral and we're not going to pay you the fee. And the Mountain West, I think, absolutely unified behind each other against San Diego State. That's my perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Based on people I've talked to that have said, yeah, the conference is unified, that it's time to move on. And I think the really interesting part of this is, why will the Mountain West not defer that exit fee from San Diego State? Have you put any time into into that? Well, they're not going to defer that exit fee because they need the money to offset the loss of TV revenue. (laughs) So they're not going to defer your exit fee. Yeah. They're not going to give you 30 days. And by the way, by the way, I was also talking to a a source at the Pac-12 and one of the hesitations around SMU, their conference requires a 27-month notice of withdrawal <coughs> and a $10 million fee. Well, the problem with that is, obviously, we're not 27 months away from expansion in the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, we are, what, 12 months and 10 days yeah. from expansion. So SMU is in a really precarious situation. And again, I just say, do you know why the Pac-12, why we are here? Because the Pac-12's not been able to operate for a year almost now. So they haven't been able to go to market. They haven't been able to get a TV deal done. There's been one hurdle after another that they just keep sliding in their own way. And they just keep getting in their own way again and again and again, whether it is, you know, people resigning, the Comcast scandal, the, I mean, just all of this stuff, the holiday lawsuit, like over and over and over and over and over again. And now you're looking at SMU as supposedly this perfect target. I'm telling you right now, SMU is not the perfect target. They're, they're just not the perfect target. Yeah, and I feel like everyone wants to spin them as like this amazing addition. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, I'm not, it's not that they're a bad program or anything. But it, it, again, it has to be said, like, with, with the context of where the Pac-12 is at, I mean, adding, you know, smaller time programs from a national championship perspective i mean that's cool and everything but but that's not going to change that's not going to change your fortunes that's not going to all of a sudden be like yeah wow man the pac-12 boy did you see who they added yeah smu and san diego state like again we've talked at length about san diego state smu falls right in that same range in my opinion a little different you know a couple things here and there but Really not uh, not a program that's going to be like, wow, make the news type deals. Yeah. So, so that's why I say, like, I, I just look at this situation and, and, and if you're looking at it from from Adela Del Torre's perspective, yeah, I, I don't know what clearly to me there was a miscommunication between uh, Del Torre and J.D. Wicker of some variety because you, you someone so? well, because here's the here's the deal. I think you made a great point about copying every president. Why would you go into what I would call protocol of noticing your conference your of your intention to leave? 
Why why would you behave in that way but then try to backtrack and say, "Well, we didn't we didn't do that." You know the rules. It's very clear and you didn't have to do anything. You you could have done nothing. But you chose to draft a letter and attach it to an email and copy all the presidents and then you want to backtrack that? So I almost feel like it's this thing where Maybe, I, I don't know if Adela Del Torre uh, does not know the protocol, like, through and through, or if maybe JD told her to do one thing and she did something else, or, like, I don't know, but you, you, there's there has to have been something. Like, you don't just wake up and be like, yeah, you know, today, man, today we're going to send a letter to Gloria Navarez, our commissioner. Yeah, we're going to copy all the presidents, too, and, and, and maybe, you know, that that's how we're going to behave. Like, you don't just wake up and be like, yeah, that's what we're going to do today. Like, that's not how it works. So that's why I say I think there was a miscommunication somewhere and there was a lack of understanding about the the process or the protocol or how the conference would view, you know, sending a letter in that fashion. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. So I, you messed it up 10 ways to Sunday. And now you've put the Pac-12 in a position where it's like, okay, cool, so now we're looking at, you know, San Diego State's looking at 17. Is the Pac-12 going to have to help them pay a $34 million exit fee if it were to get to that? Like, you're putting the Pac-12, the conference you want to go to, in troubled water before you've even entered the conference. How is that even possible? Yeah, like, how do you get there? And I, I think the, the other fascinating part of this is what happens if the Pac-12 can't expand? And what happens to San Diego State? Where does San Diego State land? You know, it, it, it really is interesting to me that you have all these variables and then you're just the Big 12 sitting here waiting to see what's going to happen. And it's, it's really sad to see it, man. It is really difficult to see the, the, the Pac-12 in a situation where it just should never have gotten this far. It, there's no reason for the Pac-12 to be here. I mean, it... Again, not to be redundant, it, it's all self-inflicted. Mm -hmm. You know, like it is that it's just it it's just the way it is. You know, and and once we start playing football games, I think the Pac-12 becomes far more relevant than it is now because I think the Pac-12 is going to have a very good football season. You look at some of the projections and the numbers, um, whether that's Oregon State, Washington with Penix. I mean, yeah, you have a lot of 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 expectations at. USC, and and I don't mean conference expectations. I mean national championship expectations for Lincoln and, and USC. I think you look again, Utah is, is in line to have a really good season. Nobody's talking about the Utah football program, but that program is going to be elite again. I mean, you have four really good programs, and I don't think any of us know what DJ Uyunglele at, at Oregon State's going to be. I don't think we really have any idea where, where UCLA's offense is, is going to be when you're replacing DTR the way that they're going to have to this season. I, I think Colorado's probably a three-win team, but you have a lot of excitement around prime. Like, when football gets here, you really want to have all this settled. Yeah. Man, like, it, it, like all of these questions need to be answered because this is going to be a very solid football conference, right? And you look at the Big 12, and I think the Big 12... Again, we've talked about it ad nauseum. I think TCU is going to backslide a little bit. I think that uh, I can't believe that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are going to continue to suffer the way they have. I have to believe they have better years. I, I, I just, I can't see that 
continuing that way. Yeah. But I think the bigger issue is what is Kansas State? What is Kansas? Can Kansas continue to do what they did? Like you have all these questions and you have four incoming teams. And I think Houston and BYU have a chance to win some games that people won't expect them to win. I have to think that the boys in, in Waco are going to have a better year than they had. Like, there's so much football to talk about, yet here we are on June 20th. We're past Father's Day now, and we still don't have a media rights deal in the Pac-12. And I, I just think we continue to sputter in the Pac-12 because you can't get out of your own way, and you can't stop making mistakes, and people coming into your conference – can't stop making mistakes and embarrassing themselves. Yeah. And I think that's a very that's a very difficult reality to live within. I wonder what the burnout factor is for presidents in the Pac-12 just kind of observing these different situations. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I Man. like it, it, it's funny. Yesterday, there were there were some pictures that came out of the Big Ten logo on USC's uni. And I and I have to say, like, if I'm a president at USC or if I'm like staffers at USC, that's good, exciting news. I'm like, yeah, dude, like we're going to a better situation. Like this is exciting times. But again, if you're the Oregon States of the world or Washington state or anybody who's obviously still committed to this conference currently, I mean, again, like it's a bad look when you are watching San Diego state go through these issues that they've yes. created. And, and you have to wonder like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, you know, we know we need you, Southern California. Cool. All right, great. Talked about it. Talked it in the ground. But man, from a business perspective, you guys are not helping us. <laughs> like, like that's agree. the hard part. All right, let's get your comments in here. Rice Man is first up and says USC and UCLA can't even sell out their games. You have no idea what you're talking about. If if you truly believe that, and I think you're probably just being defensive because you're a fan of Rice. If you truly think that USC and UCLA, and really the, the, the weakness here is saying USC can't sell out their games, you're, you're just, you're wrong. That's in, completely incorrect. And for a lot of last season, UCLA was packed. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, are, are, they, are they always sold out at the Rose Bowl? No, but the Rose Bowl is a massive stadium. But go to the Coliseum on a Saturday afternoon or evening. And good luck finding a ticket. You have the Heisman Trophy winner and a national championship contender. They've, they were sold out for most of last year. That's just, that's incorrect. So, I, I, and man, if that's our, let's just throw Rice Man's comment out. Let's go with a championship comment from Marlon Shaw, who gives us $5 to say props to my Florida Everblades, the 2023 Kelly Cup champions, back-to-back -back years. Marlon, congratulations. <laughs> Nothing like a good hockey championship to start the show. There you go. Nothing like it, right? Uh, let's see. Cougar Track says, I'm sure Utah is trying to get Utah State in the pack. Like, no, I'm not here for it today. Uh, Dahmer Wap says, San Diego State and Stanford and Cal Berkeley in the same conference. Shake my head. What's wrong with that? Yeah, why don't you like that? I think San Diego State, Stanford, and Cal would be a really good fit. San Diego State academically is just fine. Yeah. Just fine. Uh, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any, I have no issue with that whatsoever. Mothprof says, do you all agree with Feinbaum's take on the PAC survival and Big Two conference expansion being forced? I'm not a believer in Big Two. I, I, think, I think two big conferences... Yeah. Um, and I don't know what Feinbaum said about the pack, but... He thinks it'll collapse by 2026. That's his well, general take. Well, Feinbaum's out on a limb there, yeah, isn't he? setting the world on fire. Come on. 
Uh, I think that, and look, Feinbaum has a brand. Feinbaum is an SEC guy. Totally get it. Mm -hmm. A big two conference is arrogant, and I think it's terrible for college athletics. Yeah. I think it, I think it's absolutely terrible. You know, like that, to me, that's just a huge mistake. Uh, William Lorig says, who's going to give their share to add another team that is not a football brand? Well, yeah. very interesting question. I, I just don't think Rice is a an option for the Pac-12. I, I really don't. I mean, I don't necessarily care about the size of the school. It, it, it's just, it's a legal powerhouse, but it is, it is, it is reach and I'll continue to preach this. And I say it every day on the show and people tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about yet. Every day, it seems like, or at least on a weekly basis, a professional sports team signs a television contract. That's hundred percent based in reach. Reach is the only thing that matters because when you reach more people and more people put their eyes on your product, what happens? Your revenue goes up because there's a larger audience. Rice brings a very, very small audience, a very small audience that, by the way, Houston and Tech and A&M and Texas and like you've, you've got that with TCU. You've got that like SMU, like you've got that. You don't need that. Stop talking to me about UTSA. Nobody wants UTSA in the Pac-12. Nobody. Nobody. And I, th I think there is very little support for Rice. Yeah. The second choice here, and I'm not even convinced SMU. I think, I think a lot of the SMU chatter, and this is not my opinion. It was brought to me by a guy I talk to on a regular basis. I think a lot of the SMU chatter is based on George Klyovkov's visit in February to SMU. And which, by the way, was was in my opinion, not a trip of substance. Like, hey, why don't you join our conference? <laughs> I think it was a flex. I, and, and, and if we're being totally honest, I don't think George Klyovkov went to SMU to be like, oh, hey, we got to get you in the conference. What can we do? I think he went there. It was like, oh yeah, I just want to you know, get to know you guys. Let's see what you're all about. Let's see your facilities. It's an and introductory conversation. George Klyovkov, in my opinion, went in toward SMU to show people, well, yeah, of course we're going to expand. Like to keep, to try and quell the narrative of, of the existential crisis they've been looking at. Right. I don't, I don't think there's some huge appetite to add SMU. I, I, I really don't. So all of my, I, I, look, and, and I love Dallas. I love Houston. You know, we have a huge following in the state of Texas and I love every one of you. But that doesn't make Rice and UTSA and <laughs> it doesn't make you a, a, a candidate to join the Pac-12. It does not. In, in fact, I, I, don't, I don't see, now that Houston is spoken for, I don't see another P5 school in that state. And I know it's a football state and everybody <laughs> wants to talk about Friday Night Lights and yeah. hey, all that's cool. But dude, there's only so many spots there's only so many places for us like is smu really a power five institution no i i don't think so i i certainly rice is not just based on volume rice is not 
But I mean, again, if I if I said to you, you could have Tulane or SMU, you you would take Tulane every single day and twice on Sunday. Yeah, and I think Tulane Tulane's more attractive just based off their you know, and I know bowl games don't matter, but it's encouraging if from Tulane's side, you know, to be able to hang with USC, and obviously they beat USC, but you know, regularly if those two teams play ten times, USC yeah. win nine of them. But it's it's nice to see. Hey, this is this is a program that can compete a little bit. So you know, yeah, yeah, and, and frankly, I I look at somebody like Tulane again, another really good baseball program. Like Tulane's not a one one trick pony. Yeah. Like I look at Rice. Rice is a baseball program. Problem is you don't play football. I mean, you do, but you really don't. Yeah. Right. I mean, you make lawyers and you make baseball players. That's, yeah. That's and there's right. nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because you make some really damn good lawyers. Right. I, I, I just I don't know, man. I, I, I get burned out on everything in Texas is great. So let's add as much as we can because you can. Uh, Marlon Shaw, I'm so ready for the drama to be over uh, and know what the future holds. That being said, how about a betting pool? What's the over under for teams leaving the pack and teams joining the pack by June 30th? Man, if I had to put an over under on teams leaving by June 30th, I could only go two. I, I think Arizona and Colorado mm-hmm. would would love to make a change because I think those are the two schools that are tired of the bullshit. Like they're just, I think President, President Robbins at Arizona, the word detests Pac-12 media was brought to me today. Like somebody <laughs> said to me, President Robbins detests this person and the rest of the Pac-12 mouthpiece. And I, you understand it. Yeah, you do. You totally understand it. I mean, this is, we've had this conversation before, you know, on other topics about how the media has got one narrative going and then it turns out not to be true. So, oh yeah, yeah Grant of Rights is done. And then Buddy rolls up on the tarmac and is like, yeah, I don't know anything about a Grant of Rights being done. I, I haven't been informed about anything in this tweet. Like, I mean, it's just a bad look and, and I understand why I'd be frustrated, but but, you know, I, I think the other side of it is that frustration combined with the fact that you're a damn good fit in the Big yes. 12. Like, it's not like just an okay fit. Like, you're a really strong fit. And so is Colorado. Colorado got a lot to offer, no question about it. But Arizona specifically, because, you know, the football program is finally coming up a little bit. I'm not saying they're a good team, but they're improving at least. in the basketball program, obviously. And, and Brett Yormark and that conference has been obsessing on monetizing basketball. You understand why Arizona is a great fit. But but again, like we need to put in perspective, you know, teams leaving by June 30th, that's 10 days, man. That's 10 days yeah, away. Yeah, I think like, it's tough. Like that I is, think you're it's tough. on top of that. Yeah, I think it's tough. And I just... I just look at the I just look at the I look at the challenges facing this conference and I think June thirtieth is two. Mm-hmm. I think August first, nah, that's a different question. July thirty first, that's a different question. Completely, Marlon. But I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah. By the way, uh, TCU's run of awesomeness in athletics continues. Their baseball team just moved on. Now, good um, luck. You moved on to Florida. Well, that's probably where the that's probably where the frog goes to die. Uh, but TCU moves on. I mean, they're they they're under a, a ray of light that's amazing. Um, let's see. Dave Patrick is San Diego State a Power Five team? No, they're not. No. 
They're not. Rice and UTSA are not Power 5 teams. They're just not. Agreed. They are not. Doesn't make not. them bad schools. Yeah. That's just the reality. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they're not bad schools at all. They're not. Uh, JM says Tulane or Memphis would be better than SMU or Rice. I, I think it's Tulane. I'm not Memphis. I'm not a Memphis guy. I, I think it makes zero sense for the Pac-12 to add Memphis. It makes zero sense to me. Uh, Todd Jones says, uh, or excuse me, Todd James says, I like the Tulane market. Lots to build on. Um, J.K. Marshall, seriously, Tulane or SMU? From a fan's perspective, who cares? They both don't move the needle. Uh, well, that's the struggle. I think you're right, but who moves the needle? I'm I'm the guy that sits here and tells you (coughs) that the only way to move the needle is to get to buckedup.com and use the promo code Monty to save twenty percent. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. And and yeah, if you want to use the move the needle, cheers. Yeah, cheers, Cheers. little buddy. Cheers. If you want to move the needle, you got to get some bucked up buckshot, baby. That's how you move the needle. I keep saying it every day. And I know more and more people using our, our code, using the link in the description below to get the buck shot. It is so good. It is so refreshing. I'm a huge fan of the watermelon. The blood raz is really good as well. Don't take my word for it. Buck, get free samples of buckshot. Get six of them sent right to your front door right now in the description below. I cannot say enough about the guys that Bucked Up. They're really good partners. And the thing about Bucked Up is their products just work. High-powered energy to carry you through the rest of your day. You know, like I know it's 242 on the West Coast. You're coming back from lunch. You're trying to get through the rest of your day. I know it's 545 on the East Coast. Think about how, how tired you were, right? That's what Buckshot does for you. It carries you through the rest of your day. I'm telling you, it has changed my golf game. It has absolutely helped me get through the back nine. It has been a struggle for me. I would get tired. It would just be, it'd be rough and not anymore. I I hit a buck shot at the turn and my back nine is markedly better. Boom. And the shot selection's better. I'm telling you, like when we go to the gym in the morning, I've been mean, getting up at five o'clock, going to the gym. Mrs. Monty's training for a triathlon right now. I pop a buck shot at 5 a.m. It does the exact same thing for me, but in a very different way than, than pre-workout does. Like it makes a difference. It absolutely makes a difference. So I love it. I'm telling you, get the free samples in the description below. Uh, make sure you tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. Man, a lot of you are uh, in on SMU today. Uh, David Sebesta says, got my buck shots from last week's sale yesterday. Nice. Let's go. Nice, Sebesta. You got to love that. Um, I'm telling you guys, you will love buckshot. You will absolutely love buckshot. It's it's awesome. It is really, really awesome. Lopes Van Gabe says, tell me President Robbins to test President Schultz without telling me President Robbins to test (laughs) President Schultz. Washington's a clown show. (laughs) Washington is a clown show. It's amazing. Uh, Two Masta says UTSA academics will prevent them from being a Pac-12 candidate. Two Masta, if you know their academics, you really need to change the way you live your life. <laughs> because, bro. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Come on now. I have no idea what their academics are and I don't care. Yeah. I, I with a, but hey, that's cool. J.K. Marshall, all kinds of needles move now. Yeah, baby. Let's go. Um, Lopes Van Gabe says everybody loves oral. 
Well, Robert, <laughs> it's a Don't worry, we're going to talk about Zion today. You know, yeah. Don't worry. The Zion Williamson story. Essay, as a Utah fan, losing Arizona and Colorado is no big deal. Utah State and San Diego State are better natural rivals for the Utes. Okay, dude, whatever you're smoking, I need some of. It, uh, first of all, if you think losing Arizona is not a problem, they're, they're, they've pretty much been in auto win for Utah football. And number two, their basketball program is pivotal to the success financially of Pac-12 basketball. It's absolutely pivotal. Because if you lose UCLA and Arizona, do you quit basketball as a conference? Do you just be like, yeah, fuck it. We're not going to play basketball anymore. Uh, No Arizona, no UCLA. Bronny and USC are gone too. Yeah, we might as well just fold up the tent. Yeah. Right? Because you're not a basketball. Without UCLA, you're already damaged. You lose Arizona, you might as well just fold basketball. Because I don't know how you're going to recruit. Pack your thing up. We're out of here. How are you going to recruit? And I'm being serious. If you are are somebody like me that has watched this league go from an elite basketball power, the Pac-12, to irrelevant when UCLA leaves. This case is empty. Because Arizona hasn't exactly carried the water in basketball. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like going through the Sean Miller FBI wiretap scandals and Arizona's lost a lot of games and has not made deep tournament runs and has not recruited and disappointed repeatedly and they need to start winning. And by the way, they're going to start winning because Arizona basketball is down and it doesn't stay down for long. They're not going to stay down for long. Yeah, they aren't. And I'm, I'm telling you what Jed Fish and the guys are doing in Tucson. Arizona, you can drive your ass back to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. They, well, because they're starting to win games. And I think Arizona football and Arizona basketball are not going to be down long. Uh, MJ Bissett gives us $10 to say, if we discussing long shots from additions, North Texas won the NIT and has 40,000 students, 200,000 DFW alumni. That would be Dallas, Fort Worth, J.R. Ewing. San Diego State is better because they address a geographic gap. No to private outside California. Ooh, I don't even disagree with you. I think San Diego State, and I know this pisses off Aztec fans, but if we're being honest, are they more valuable geographically or athletically, San Diego State? Oh, it's geographically yeah. for sure. Yeah. I don't even think you could make the argument that their athletics are more valuable than their geography because I just don't, I don't think you can do that. I, I, I mean, it, it isn't even... I'm still trying to get over the fact that dude brought up North Texas as a long shot. <laughs> I love it. Jim Choi, Coach Majerus isn't coming through that Utah door. No, he's not. God rest his soul. Um, Nick M, Arizona basketball would greatly improve by playing in the Big 12 where they will have great competition every week and we'll see uh, and will be seen much more often and they will be able to recruit yeah. at a higher level. That's the big one. Yeah. That's the big one. That's the big one. Sam Lott says, sup, you casuals. What's up, Sam Lott? Hope you're well. Uh, Domer Wop says, J.R. Ewing, my guy. That's right. J.R. Ewing. It's amazing. It is amazing. I just, mm. two masters. Dixie State is a sleeper candidate for Pac-12 expansion. Stop. Not yet. Not, not yet. What what is what is Dixie State? 
I, I don't know what Dixie State is. I didn't know that. Uh, don't. I, I'm just asking a question. I, I mean, you know, there's, there's, you know, you know, um, Utah Tech. Yeah. Oh, Utah Tech. Why didn't you just say so? You're such a jerk. <laughs> I love it. Jaron Eccles. Anyone else uh, going to watch party at Delta Center Thursday? No. It's it's the drafts. It's the NBA draft. Are we? No. We'll talk about it coming up because we've got to talk about the Jazz TV deal. Uh, let's see. Gash Blitz. The power two is a myth. It will be a power four with two conferences securing their football footprint while the remaining two secure a basketball footprint. Could be. Look, this idea that we can have just two power conferences, it, it's so elitist. And it's it's what drives me nuts about guys like Feinbaum Mm -hmm. and Timmy B, Tim Brando, Mm -hmm. and we're the best. We know everything. It's the SEC, bitches. Like, congratulations. Yeah. Great. It's not going to be a power two. Well, the Big 12 and Pac-12, they're just, you know, they're just making us more money because we win the games, you know. I hate the... And this is what drives me crazy about Utah Utah fan on Twitter or, or this whole look down your nose thing. Yeah. It's exactly why the Pac-12 is where it is. Facts. And again, I'm a I'm a I've supported the Pac-12 for years. Hello? Yeah, I don't know what that was. Facts. Four, four yeah, years. A little technical difficulty there. And the Pac-12's biggest problem is they're a bunch of arrogant pricks. Mm-hmm. There is a, a lot of don't get me wrong, the presidents in this conference are wildly talented and intelligent. They, they're just really smart people. And they're arrogant. Ask them. They'll tell you how smart and intelligent they are. And it drives me crazy. Yeah. Now, is the Big 12 different than that? Not really. They just talk with a twang and they tell you how great they are. <laughs> but the Pac-12 has, is, has been so arrogant over the last decade that it's been to their detriment. And it, it just makes me crazy. You're not, I wish somebody in the Pac-12 would say, hey, you know what? We really, I don't know how to break this to you guys, but our farts do stink. Like, I, we, like you know, I mean, that's what it feels like to me in this conference. Like, mm-hmm. you just think that, and I just want to shake people and it's be the like, conference hey. conference of champions. You get, yes, exactly. Hey, uh, you guys are not champions. And by the way, you're not making money. You're losing money. Every one because of you. Because it's garbage. Every one of you is losing money. Mm-hmm. You, you should come to terms with that. Because the minute you come to terms with that, we stop talking about Nike money and, you know, terribly, terribly ugly uniforms at Oregon. And we start talking about ways to turn the tide and build this conference back to where it belongs. Yeah. But that'll never happen. And that's why that's never going to happen. You're never going to turn the tide, and this conference is going to die because of the arrogance of its leadership. Yeah. There's, yep. there's just no – I mean, we can sit here and try and play niceties and shit, but there's no reason to because that's what got you where you are. You're arrogant. And it, at some point, you have to be able to step up to the plate and say, hey, this is who we are, and this is where we are. We are not the biggest conference. We're not the second biggest conference. We're not the third biggest conference. We're the fourth conference and really i think i can make the argument the acc is a bigger conference 
So you're like, you're the fifth conference. Which, wait, is that is that last? But nobody in the Pac-12 will talk about that. The Pac-12 wants to tell you how great they are. The Pac-12 wants to tell you, again, conference of champions. Like, mm-hmm. hey, that's all cool. Congratulations on the, the pickleball championship or the badminton championship. This is corny stuff. Hey, congratulations. But you haven't won in basketball and you haven't won in football. And frankly, you really haven't had a seat at the table in recent years in, in college football. Yeah. You haven't. And it's because you guys are arrogant and you schedule Friday night games in Pullman with USC. And you, like, you just continue to shoot your feet off with terrible officiating processes. Yeah. And your TV deal's bad, so you can't recruit. And you don't have the reach that a conference of this quality should have. Well, and I think the problem is like that officiating reference, or like any of the things that have gone sideways in the conference over the last couple of years, makes it so that now your reputation is, yeah, you do business poorly. You're not a well-run conference. Yeah, and think about this, dudes. Think about this. What have you done in basketball? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like, is the Pac-12 at all relevant in basketball? No. And you look at the last 10 months, and you look at, because I would say, on the court, the Big 12's been better for a significant, three, four, five years. But the last 10 months, the revenue gap has exploded, and the Big 12 has just gone up and to the right. Up and to the right. And the Pac-12 has really stagnated and now started falling down to the right. Yeah. Like you're, you're giving money back to Comcast, and really you never got it from them now because they've stopped paying you. Mm-hmm. You're getting sued by the Holiday Bowl. You, like all of this stuff, man. And at some point, you just need to own that. You do. Uh, Cowboy Country gives us $10 to say what I said yesterday about the Mountain West TV deal was wrong. I apologize. Um, what? Wow. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. Whoa, whoa, dude. Wow. Somebody apologized? That never happens. Uh, second, I've seen SMU's construction in person. Their stadium will be far better in two years. We'll be a P5 team one day. Could be. Could be. But isn't that where the Pac-12 is, where you're bringing in, you're bringing in a team that's not P5 ready in SMU? If let's say that the Pac-12 adds SMU, Mm -hmm. which I'm not convinced they will. But you're, you're, you're hoping, you're reaching. Like San Diego State's not a reach in my opinion. That it, that should be done already. SMU would be an incredible reach. It, It would be an incredible reach. Uh, Sean Mirzinski says they act like they're the best conference yet. They don't win. It's delusional, totally delusional. Um, Connor Johnson, legit wondering which PAC 12 fans y'all know that talk like this, dude. Oh, there's a plenty, ton, plenty, a ton. Uh, Bill says PAC 12 is all about academic athletics are secondary to a lot of the presidents. That's very true. Uh, Sebesta says the PAC 12 has been an afterthought in baseball and softball as well. Well, I don't know. I mean, you, you sent multiple teams to the, the college women's world series this year. I mean, I think you actually had a, I think you have one of your best years ever in softball. I mean, Utah alone, you look at Utah, Washington, UCLA was a huge disappointment to go out the way UCLA went out was a huge disappointment, but you look at Oregon, the way Oregon baseball has performed. You look at I mean, I, I think I think they're on the rise. Mm-hmm. I, I I do. the The softball in, in the Pac-12 is actually pretty darn good. 
Uh, Domer Wap says pickleball championship. Exactly right. Um, Conundrum says, let's call it the submersible 12. Come on, bro. Like the submersible 12. And if you're just tuning in, we spent the first 10 minutes of the show talking about the Titanic submersible. <laughs> I ain't even kidding. Uh, what is everyone going to type? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What the is everyone going to type fart drop till Monty shows it by accident? People were upset that I didn't play a fart drop when you were mentioning fart sounds. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not promising that this will ever happen. In fact, I will tell you probably will never. I will never grow up. I will never mature. <laughs> and even I am because I've matured into adulthood. My friend over here who's currently wearing Lululemon shorts that have like I a three-inch inseam on them wants you, to sit over here. To, what are you trying to say, bro? He wants to sit over here and play fart drops all day long. Yeah. Some of us, listen, some of us. Oh. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm trying to please our audience here. Lululemon. Trying to please our audience Lululemon. here, Lululemon. That, that's just all I will to say. The audience. <laughs> they know reset. Do you know how many problems you cause by playing that drop? Yeah. And, and now, yeah, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, yeah. Domer thinks it's funny. And Rick Forrester says, yes, fart noises. Thank you. See, like, don't feed, don't feed the monkeys. Hey. Because when you feed the monkeys, you know, like, we get more fart drops on the show. Yeah, sorry, man. That's you not know. bad. No, Adam. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's not funny. No, it's not. J.K. Marshall, fart drops. I feel better now. Thank you. <laughs> don't. Don't. Don't do it. All right. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. All right. All right. Jake's going to trip and fall down the stairs later. Uh, the Monty Show, this hour of the Monty Show is presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you try the calzones tonight. At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do calzones. Papa Murphy's does calzones? Oh, I think you mean I do the calzones. And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Well, we do it with fresh ingredients and hand-shredded cheese tucked in a scratch-made dough. That's how, honey. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza. And don't forget the calzones. Order now at papamurphys.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza, the official pizza of the Monty Show. Make sure you download the mobile app today. Uh, use the promo code MONTY25. And I'm telling you, the life hack at Papa Murphy's Pizza, get the calzone, order the marinara meatballs, Put that calzone. I would tell you to air fry the calzones because, wow. Bomb. They're amazing. Pour the marinara meatball on top of it. Good night. Sleep well, friends. That is an amazing <laughs> dinner. There's nothing else to talk about. Make sure you use the promo code MATI25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show, which is presented by... The Advocates, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business, which is why Trevor Sanders is on the show today. Are you a pizza guy, Trevor? I am a pizza guy, but I got to say, the fart jokes before that ruined the appetite. <laughs> wow. See? See what you did? See what you did, Jake. Look, sport, you need to settle down. My bad. My bad. The boys will be boys, though. It's okay. Boys will be boys. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, the Advocates, theadvocates.com. And Trevor, I say it every day on the show that it costs you absolutely nothing to work with the Advocates in that you don't pay the Advocates unless and until they win your case. And when I say that about the Advocates, what exactly does that mean? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. We only get paid if we win something or if we recover something. But yeah, I don't we don't charge an hourly rate. I don't take money from the clients in a check or something like that. Only if we recover something for our work. And, you know, I think we're pretty good at what we do. Yeah, I would say you're pretty good at what you do. Uh, check them out at theadvocates.com. You know, it was interesting. We were talking about uh, on the show Workman's Comping. And, you know, I saw on your LinkedIn, you posted a story about an Arby's restaurant. Yeah. And that a worker got stuck in a freezer. And the first thing that came in my mind is, well, yeah, that's that's Workman's Comp. Like, but I wonder how many people think about like where they work and I don't know why, maybe it's just me. I didn't associate workman's comp with fast food, but that's absolutely a workman's comp case. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I did post, I try to post things that are useful to people on LinkedIn a lot. And there was a story, I think out of Louisiana, where a woman was trapped in this uh, freezer in an Arby's restaurant and died inside. And I guess she had tried to you know, claw her way out of it. I mean, if you think about it, like a horrific way to die, uh, locked inside of a freezer, but yeah, it's absolutely a worker's comp injury, and it and I think the family is is trying to sue Arby's in in some kind of a civil case too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, obviously, that's not in Utah, but pretty shocking news story that came out. But yeah, it is a work injury. Yeah, um, and weird stuff happens. I've seen a lot of weird stuff in workplace yeah. injuries. And you're supposed to have an uh, an out in that and on the inside of those freezers too, by the way. But <clears throat> I wonder, have you seen this case with the Titanic submersible? Um, I, yeah, I read about it and I wondered like, I mean, are they lost at sea or at the bottom of the ocean, right? Oh, man. And you know, the, the funny thing is there was a uh, whistleblower case on that one too. There was a lawsuit that was filed by a former employee who had said, hey, they're not constructing the whole of those submersibles correctly to deal with the pressure at two and a half miles under the sea, right. which is where, you know, which is where the Titanic sits. Like it, it, to me, it's a, it's a crazy story, but do, I, I don't know, man. I, I, do you have any interest in getting in a submersible and going down to the Titanic? So I like to say as I sit here that I am, I like submarines, um, but I think I'd chicken out. Uh, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I would absolutely chicken out. I, I'm not here for that in any yeah. way, shape or form. I got to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. That's crazy to me. But by the way, Trevor Sanders from the Advocates, a huge baseball fan, Yes. huge baseball fan. Yes. Um, watching Shohei Otani, I'm curious because I think this is one of the bigger stories it's building because I can't believe it's already June 20th. Yeah. So as we head into July and the trade deadline's coming, does Shohei Otani finish the season with the Angels? I think he does, but I don't think that he stays there at the end of the year. I think he's a free agent at the end of the year, right? Um, I don't think he stays. I, which I, I think is really unfortunate because he, he is – I think he has done, you couldn't predict that he would be this good. You, I mean, right. you could no. not predict that he would have performed at this level after all the arm injuries he's had. And I mean, the guy's just been fantastic, but I think this is the luck of the Angels. But oddly enough, in this season, it's so bizarre to me that the Yankees are struggling, the Dodgers are struggling, but you have a team like Arizona, you have yeah. a team like the Cincinnati Reds, like this, a lot of teams have actually flipped the table this year. Yeah, I mean, I think I read that the Angels are in third place, I think, uh, today. 
the Diamondbacks are killing it, and the Reds are in first place, and you yeah. know, the Dodgers just lost one of their biggest losses of franchise history in, in Los Angeles just like last night, wasn't it, or a day or two ago. Yeah. At least. But um, I don't know. I don't know if Shohei stays. If the Angels do, you know, go to the playoffs, if he stays. Mike Trout wants him to stay, but I don't know. I don't know if they can pay him that much. Well, but I, I mean – when you're playing in Anaheim, and I know they're the LA Angels of Anaheim, mm-hmm. but when you're playing in Anaheim, like Mike Trout's irrelevant. Mike Trout's Mike Trout should be, and I don't even I'm not even sure it's arguable. Mike Trout should probably be the face of baseball, right? But I just think most people don't see him. So a guy like Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge had a phenomenal year last year. Don't get me wrong, but Mike Trout is just as talented. And could put those same numbers up, but it's in Anaheim. So if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to see it, did did it make a sound, right? Like, I, I just don't feel like Mike Trout or Shohei Otani ever get over because nobody's going to see him there. Right. Yeah. So. No, that's how I kind of feel about it, too. It's sad because I like the Halos, right? I mean, it's it's fun to watch them play, but they've got to be your number relevant. one? Who's your number one team? Well, I, I like the Cubs, right? But... Chicago's a long ways from Utah, so I got to root for the for the for the West Coast teams. I'm excited for the A's to go to to Vegas. I'm not a I'm oh, not an A's go. man, but I I think that'll be fun. Be I close. got news for you though: the Cubs are closer to Utah than they are to first place. So as a diehard, longtime <laughs> Cub fan, trust me, I know. Trust me, I know. Um, and I know the one thing you know is the advocates, the best injury attorneys in the business. Um, you know, the complexities of things like workman's comp, the complexity of things like car accidents And this time of year, you know, I know that you guys are big on community service. You guys really do a great job serving the communities that you guys work in. And you see so many people on motorcycles, scooters, bicycles. I mean, that is a, when you get in an accident and you have a car and a bicycle, Trevor, you know, probably as well as anybody, that's a losing proposition nine out of 10 times for the bicyclist. So you have to be ready in those situations and the advocates are waiting to serve. Yeah. Yeah, we absolutely are. I mean, the insurance companies are going to have their best interests and they're going to know more than you do. Why not have a tactical advantage by calling an attorney on your side, right? Because I think the other thing that you have to remember is the insurance companies don't work, you know, on your behalf, the insurance companies, I can tell you, I just went through this with my glass coverage. Mm-hmm. which is so frustrating, but insurance companies are not quick to call you back. They're not there to fight for you. They're not going to help you do things like the advocates are going to help you defer your medical bills. The advocates are, are, are going to, you know, work for you. You're not going to pay a penny until and unless the advocates win your case. Like the difference between what the advocates do and what your insurance company do, Trevor, that's like night and day. Right. Right. And I think it's, you know, it's about interest, right? Where are your interests aligned? The insurance company's interests are the bottom line for their company, right? And and when we represent somebody who's been in a bike accident, a work accident, a car accident, motorcycle, whatever it is, dog bites, right? Um, all of those things, you know, our interests, our loyalties are to the person that's been hurt and not some other in- outside interests. Yeah, abs- absolutely right. And it's, it's what I say every day on the show, man. The advocates serve you. They serve our communities. Have them in, 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 at, at the, your fingertips in your phone. Get yep. ready to go to theadvocates.com where you can chat with quality attorneys live, online, for free, 24-7, like Trevor himself, yep. at theadvocates.com, utahadvocates.com. Trevor, always good to see you, man. I appreciate you.
Thanks. Keep following me on LinkedIn. I'll post relevant stuff and, you know, I'll root for the Cubs. Yeah, me too. Forever and ever, <laughs> Trevor. Forever and ever. Exactly That's right. It. There you go. Trevor Sanders from The Advocates, theadvocates.com. The best injury attorneys in the business. Check them out online. It, it, quite legitimately, you never pay the advocates up front. They don't reach into your pocket. They're not asking for retainers or consultation fees. You don't pay the advocates unless and until they win your case at theadvocates.com. All right, let's get back to work here on the show. I think the biggest story of the day very clearly um, is this SMU situation. I still think this San Diego State, uh, we got a lot of details and some clarity on the situation at San Diego State with the uh, Mountain West and this letter. And I almost chuckle when I when I heard the story in detail this morning. I was talking to a source in, in the at the Mountain West Conference who was talking about the fact that Adela Delatori apparently wrote this letter and attached it to an email last Thursday night. And she sent that email to the commissioner, Gloria Navarez, the commissioner of the, the Mountain West, but she copied every president in the Mountain West on that email. And I think, Jake, the biggest question is, what does that say about Adela Delatori at San Diego State? Does that say that President Delatori at San Diego State, does that say, hey, she was just communicating across a conference or that she didn't know by sending a, a letter saying, hey, our intention is to leave, but I have a few questions. By sending that to the commissioner of the conference and every president in the conference, that's the mechanism to trigger your exit. Did she not know that? Or do you think it was an innocent mistake? Yeah, I mean, I uh, my opinion is, is I think it's just bad business across the board. I mean, I, I, I think, like, what did you just say? You said, hey, she sent a letter that clearly states, hey, it is our intent to leave the conference, but we have a couple of questions. The conference is not concerned with what questions you have, right? The conference is only concerned with, oh, you're leaving? Okay, great. Well, here's your fee. This is the fee. It's on paper. It's black and white. You have the contract in your office. Right, so the Mountain West has no obligation to San Diego State. The Mountain West doesn't have to doesn't have to be like, oh yeah, man, wow. You know, the Pac-12's complete and utter incompetence means that we should help you guys with the exit fee. They're they're not they're not <laughs> they're not approaching the conversation that way. And 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 if I was advising them, I would tell them to handle it just the way they have, which is, hey, hold their feet to it, man. Hold their feet to the fire on it because. That's right. You do need that money to cover the TV deal negotiations. Because again, anytime in any conference, there is realignment, adding a team, you know, uh, losing a team, you got to renegotiate the distribution deal, right? TV streaming, yeah. the whole, the whole nine yards. So you're going to need that exit fee from San Diego state to help you cover some of those costs. So to me, I just think it's incredible that we get to sit here and talk about a situation where a president of a uh, uh, of a university sends an email with a letter attached that says it's our intent to leave, but hey, yeah, you know, I got a few questions, and those questions happen to be about taking it easy on the exit fee, or like you don't you don't do that in business. That's you right. don't you, you don't jump all the way in to the the pool and then be like, yeah, well, you know, I didn't mean to jump all the way in, and can you help me get out? Like, but no. see, I'm more with Boyd Lake. Boyd Lake says no way she didn't know what she was doing. Wow. She's the president of the university. She said, San Diego State, the president, Adela Della Torre. If, if you just thought that was an innocent mistake, you should probably resign. 
because you're derelict <laughs> in your duties, right? I mean, in all seriousness, yeah. though, like, I, I, there's no way you don't know. There's no way. I just don't know how you explain it other than, so if we take out the part of she doesn't know, then I still maintain there was miscommunication somewhere. I somewhere don't know, it had to be. I don't know how, you know, Adela or J.D. Wicker or any of the brass in that front office, if you will, thought that that was a good idea. There's no way she's just like, well, you know, it's 830. I'm going to go ahead and fire off this letter real quick. Yeah. Send it out. Like in Raider Mark, Raider Mark's comment right there. Reply all is never a good thing. I agree. What was the thought uh, but, of, hey, we're going to copy every president? I don't, I don't know, man. This, it, it's a shocking mistake. It is a shocking mistake. And the, the other question here that I think a lot of people don't think about, what happens if San Diego State does not go to the, big, the Pac-12? Has anybody thought about that? What happens if San Diego State doesn't actually leave the Mountain West? Because they don't have to leave the Mountain West. They, they don't yeah. have to leave the Mountain West. And you're essentially saying in this letter, hey, we need a 30-day extension because the Pac-12 can't get their shit together. Can you give us 30 days? And their answer was no. <laughs> their answer was no. So you've got 10 days to cough up $17 million. No. And if you don't, it's going to double, and it's going to be $34 million, right? By the way, when everybody else, including you know the great Pac-12 mouthpieces, were saying it's a $52 million exit fee, what did the two hacks on YouTube tell you? It was not triple. It was double. Mm -hmm. And if they pay it by June 30th, and now they were not going to get a payment plan because they asked for the Affirm deal, which is, hey, let us just pay this over time, bro. Not happening. Mount West said, no, sir. You will pay us the $17 million, period, or we will not let you out of your grant of rights, Yeah, period. And so my question is, if you are San Diego State, I, I, you strung yourself up from a yardarm here. Like you really did. Like you put yourself in a position where you literally tied a string around your toe and pulled yourself up, <coughs> and now your foot over head here. Yes. And you, you, you're just twisting in the wind, waiting for the Pac-12. Because Why you would ever do that, I have no idea. I don't know. I do not know. And it's, it's remarkable to me that you, you came out here and said, hey, we want to leave, but we have a few questions. It's, it's, it's just it's remarkable incompetence. She took offense. But I would say email is dangerous, dude. Yes, it is. In this day and age, send a text message. Make a phone call. Go see somebody. Get on Snapchat like Zion. I mean, get on Cash App and send a message. <laughs> right? You know. Yeah, can we roll out some vanish mode on Instagram, bro? You know. Uh, Gary, OG Gary says, San Diego State going to be caught holding his cock after all this. Serious cock. Uh, whoa, hello? Hello. She had the in-house counsel go through the letter before she pushed the send, but had to. Had to. You just don't fire off a letter like that, right? Um, let's see. Lobo Blast 1. This is the second time San Diego State asked to leave. First time was uh, would be back in 2011. They soon came back with their tails between their legs. I hope that's wrong. I hope they don't Dave's come back. In opposition. I really don't. I hope that they leave because if you did this, I mean, this is humiliating. Yeah. 
I don't know how you recover. Well, I think from it's this. already humiliating, and then oh. if you come back, it's even. I mean, it just is the lowest of the low. Absolutely. Uh, Gabriel, San Diego State has got to be careful. They are leaving a conference that has more stability for a very shaky situation. I don't know why they would want to leave instead of waiting things out for a while longer. Well, I don't the know. The reality of the situation is it's $4 million versus what they suppose to be $20 million. Yeah, and by the way, you can't take your basketball money with you. San yeah. Diego State doesn't get that, like that money from this tournament run goes to the conference. It doesn't stay with San Diego State. Yep. So, I know, reset. You know. Um, Connor Johnson. So basically, San Diego State to the pack confirmed, essentially, yeah. I mean, I would hope so. But but confirmed just to the point of they want to, not that it's actually going to happen. Because, again, I still maintain we're still far away from that happening. Like, you know, again, you need a media rights deal in the Pac-12 to be announced. Then after that, the bigger hurdle is getting a grant of rights signed, right? And, and I think that's where the conference right. is going to be. Yes. Then you can talk about San Diego State, which is why it brings me right back to the point of San Diego State's putting the cart before the horse. I mean, you, 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 there's no way right now... You should have sent this letter. You you should not have been commenting, you know, three weeks ago or whatever that was when J.D. Wicker was talking to Seth Davis at the, at the Athletic and saying stuff like, hey, you know, we don't know where we're going, but we're definitely leaving. Like, It'll be the Big 12 or the Pac-12. I mean, we don't know where. <laughs> I, I, I just, like, it, it shows, and this is why I say, like, in my opinion, my again, just my opinion, it shows a, a substantial lack of understanding about how to utilize leverage plays in business because i that's all i can suppose the jd wicker and seth davis thing was is you were trying to create leverage and so now i look at this situation i'm like okay well what what must you have been thinking i mean what was the thought that hey we're gonna send this letter and try to play gray area with these questions about the exit yeah i don't know like were you trying to play leverage or what were you what was the strategy because like we just agreed and everyone in the comments seems to agree there's no way that, that they were confused on the exit fee or confused on copying all the presidents. So the thought must have been, okay, we're going to send this letter. We're going to copy all the presidents, and we're going to do that in hopes of leveraging the Pac-12 because that's all I can come up with. You that's did this it. to pressure that's the it. Pac-12 into getting you what Adela calls the pro rata you deserve, which, again, is another bad piece of business out of this university. But that's all I can think of is that you were trying to leverage the Pac-12, which clearly has not worked. Yeah, I think there's a long way to go. I truly do. MJ Bissett gives us $2 to say San Diego State independent and keep other sports in the Mountain West. San Diego State football, yeah, I don't. their football is not good enough to be independent. Yeah, what's the point? There's no draw for them to be independent. I understand what you're saying, MJ, but I just don't think there's a draw. Cowboy says, I tweeted you pics of what SMU Stadium will look like in two years. This is a game changer. It's going to be amazing. Well, I mean, I saw I saw that, right? I saw that. Um, I'm just telling you, I, 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 look, I mean, that's cool. That's cool. But still, I, I just ask, what, is that enough to say, hey, we got to, you know, we see I, like, again, but in this tweet, and I'm not trying to come after you here, man. We got to stop using words like deserves. You don't deserve anything. San Diego State doesn't deserve well, a pro rata or does des- like, like that's not how business works, man. That's not, that's just not and, what and it we is. We were, we were, we were talking about this. We were having a conversation um, on our YouTube channel last night with a guy who said, you guys are really hard on San Diego State. They deserve better. 
And it's like, okay, but what do you mean SMU deserves to be a P5? What does that mean to you? Because I think when you start talking about what people deserve, you deserve what you've earned. And you only earn what somebody's willing to pay you. In SMU, I, I don't even disagree that they have football history and tradition. Don't disagree with that. I don't disagree that there is, you know, there is a little swagger, you know, to Eric Dickerson and Craig James. Don't even disagree with that. Mm-hmm. How many years ago was that? How many scandals ago was that? SMU. And, and I think and in the comments section, you guys, please feel free to, to, to tell me if you agree or not. I just don't see SMU as being incredibly relevant. When, when we talk about what does SMU bring? Okay, cool. They bring new facilities. San Diego State's already got that. Hey, they bring a football program. Well, Tulane beat USC in a bowl game last year. Hey, academics. Well, <coughs> Tulane <coughs> is elite academically. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you want to talk about deserves. We're talking about AAU. We're talking about research. We're talking about like... That's Tulane, a history of scandals, a history of that's SMU, recent success, that's Tulane. Like it's New Orleans, it's pageantry, it's a destination, it's Tulane baseball, it's, I don't believe that SMU moves the needle for anybody, excites anybody. I don't believe putting a Pac-12 logo on their jersey moves the needle revenue-wise in the least bit. Yeah. I I don't see it that way. And I look at what the Pac-12 needs. They need somebody to move the flipping needle. Yeah. They need somebody where it's like, oh, my goodness. Because there's no way to even argue. And again, I I just, I ask you guys, you're you're the fans. I ask you, what is it about, what is it about SMU where you're like, man, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it? What, what, is, what is it about that? Yeah, I don't know. Because I look at Tulane, and I look at what R- Willie Fritz has done there. He, he has gone to four straight bowl games, and he's won three of four. Uh, I mean, you, you, beat, you go to the Cotton Bowl last year. And you beat USC 46-45 in one of the most entertaining games of the year. Yeah. Like, I just don't know what, I don't know what else you need from a program. I, I, I mean, I, I look at, I look at the fact that, you know, they, I mean, they're 12 and two, seven and one. Now, granted, it's the AAC, like, let's not get all program. excited, but I mean, that's a, they're, they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think the difference is is that, you know, Tulane has a couple of these feathers in their cap, if you will. You know, the USC win, you know, good record in bowl games lately. Like, you've done some things that at least bring you some notoriety, some positive pub, if you will. Like, like I don't disagree. Stadium renovations are great, but how much is that actually helping the San Diego States of the world, right? Like, how much did that help Oregon State? How, like, yeah, it's great. Uh, that didn't really work out for Cal football, right? Like it did. It, like you, you look at stadium renovations, and I feel like people are like, oh man, like renovating the stadium, everything's awesome. But what does it all come back to? 
it all comes back to winning and losing because if you win and yep. you're relevant, the 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 playoff committee is going to want you in, right? But if you're losing, but your your house is really nice, nobody cares. Well, and I also think you you look at Yulman Stadium. I mean, it's on campus. They left the Mercedes Benz Dome to go there. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that that you you know you you'll be excited about. It's newly renovated, like. Everything that SMU is going to be, Tulane already is and more. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the thing that I say like, hey, you don't need, you don't need a 100,000 seat stadium, right? Like you, you just don't need that. I think when, when you have 30 to 40,000 in your stadium, I think you're fine in the, in the Pac-12. Yeah. And this was the argument at a place like a Utah. Yep. People are like, oh, close in the corners. Let's build. No, dude. You don't need a 100,000-seat stadium. And I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that SMU is some drag of society. All I'm saying is Tulane's the way, way, way better fit. Way better fit, in my opinion. So, I don't know. What do you, got, what do you guys think? Let's see. Um, Dwight Lilly, what does SMU bring? How about extremely deep-pocketed boosters? Tulane's got that. Uh, build the field and they will come. 31 to 35 million media deals attract schools. But where's the 31 to $35 million media deal? Who's paying for them? Where's the 31? When, when you talk about build the field and they will come. Well, Tulane already did that. Tulane's like, that's my point. I'm not saying SMU is a dumpster fire. Tulane's done everything you guys are talking about SMU going to do. <clears throat> Tulane's already there. So what is it that, you know, J.K. Marshall, New Orleans pageantry, have you actually been there? Come on. So let's go across the country and in every market, pick out the crime and talk about the negatives of every city. Go right ahead. Everybody's dying for Los Angeles. You think Los Angeles is, every city's got corners, dude. Every city's got corners. Come on now. Like it, it, it's true. I, this is what we, and I say it every day, we got to stop doing this. Oh, I'm not in favor of Tulane or New Orleans, so let's talk about crime. Like, come on. Come on now. Be better than that. Uh, Gabriel says, every time a situation like this happens, I appreciate Brett Yormark even more as a commissioner. You Facts. should. You should. Um, let's see. There are a bunch of California people that have moved to Texas that would go to SMU games if they were in the Pac-12. Yeah, and, and and my mom bakes great cookies. <laughs> Who cares? Like, I'm not trying to be mean, man, but no, I, but like, I just think it's it, like that might be true, but I I don't think that 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 means that the Pac-12 should should add SMU. And by the way, again, like we're just and I feel like everyone, even national media, is doing this. The 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 Canzanos, all of them are just skipping right over the fact that a grant of rights is not done. Hell, you yeah. don't even have a media deal yet, so. Let's put expansion on the back burner and let Adela send some more letters that make her look silly. And let's figure out if you're even going to exist because I still maintain. You got to check that box off still. Like, I agree they will probably exist. But what does that look like? Because if it's six teams or eight teams and you're adding SMU, let's say, neat. Who's paying? That? And this is my question about San Diego State and SMU. Who's paying for those guys? I don't know. By the way. Are you still a P5? But this is the, and this is the problem with Miss Delatore's statement about the pro rata we deserve. 
Well, that's all well and good, but pro raters don't apply to G5 schools. Facts. Not historically. Not certainly in the Big 12. I mean, you're a P5 school for a reason. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like doing this whole thing where we drag SMU or I'm just telling you on its face, whether it's stadium renovations or fans or Tulane offers everything you want and they have academics, period. That's my argument. Uh, dear SMU, beautiful half-empty stadiums mean nothing. TV ratings do. You guys are University Park more than Dallas, and local fans know this. Yeah, that's your opinion. That's cool. You know. Hey. Gilstrap! Hey, Gilstrap! In the argument of the SEC, strength of schedule could be. What's up, Gilstrap? What's up, Gilstrap? Uh, midnight Magic Musings. CUSA has room for San Diego State. Stop. Bro, chill. Ow! There's no reason to kick people in the balls. Ow! I mean, there Ow. is. There is, you know. There, But you know. Uh, excellent point. Completely agree, Domer Wap says. Okay. Domer. Okay. Richard Tracy, how are you? What does the pack have against UNLV? Vegas is good enough in pack football and basketball championships. Right, right. but the problem is UNLV... UNLV is, and I hate this terminology, UNLV is a commuter school. UNLV is not a heritage school. UNLV doesn't really have football history. UNLV has a very small basketball history, right? I mean, ask Lon Kruger how difficult it is to build a program. And I just think Las Vegas, at some point, Las Vegas is, is going to hit the hard cap. One, they're having water issues already. Mm-hmm. Two... Their population boom, I just don't know if that continues. So you're, let's, let's get this right. You're, you're adding the Raiders. You're adding the Vegas Golden Knights. You're adding likely the Oakland Athletics. I've got to think a, an NBA team's going to be there before long. And you want UNLV to thrive. Well, who's got money for all that? And you're adding events like F1, that totally distract the community over a course of an entire weekend. So who's got money to support all that? Very few people. Yeah. And by the way, you host some of the biggest college football games of the year. So that's, I think, I, you, why am I going to buy the cow when I get the milk for free in Vegas? Yeah. Why am I going to add UNLV when I already get last year BYU and Notre Dame in a great game? When I already get the Raiders, when I already get the Vegas Golden Knights, the Stanley Cup champion, Las <clears> Vegas <throat> Golden Knights. Yeah. Why am I going to do that? I'm going to get a baseball cathedral, by all accounts. They're going to build a wonderful baseball stadium in Vegas. You've got really nice facilities at Allegiant. Like you have, I think there's a saturation point in Las Vegas. Absolutely. And it's what concerns me about adding the A's because – the A's don't have a history of spending money on ball players and winning games. When are, what's going to happen when, when the shitty Oakland A's show up? Is that going to be the team that's going to fail and ruin the sports critique uh, and, and the, that really the environment of success in Las Vegas? Because there's no way to get around the fact that the Las Vegas Golden Knights have given you a blueprint on how to win there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the – yeah. I could go on and on. I, I completely just, agree. There's a cap on how much. There you can put is in a there. cap. There's a cap. Jet Wayman. 
Uh, what's up, friends? Good to make it to a live show. How about Ryan Smith? Great move. I agree. I absolutely agree. Let's switch gears. Talk a little NBA hoop on the Monty Show. Presented by our good friends at TridayTrading.com. You guys, have you gotten the 10-day, 30-day trial membership yet? $10, 30-day trial membership. I'll yeah. get it right eventually. Uh, the $10, 30-day trial membership at TridayTrading.com. You know, we talk about prosperity and we talk about wanting to live a certain lifestyle and drive a certain car and play golf every day and live in a house. And how's that working out now? Because I hear a lot of people talk to me about complaining about going back into the office. I hear a lot of people talking about getting tired of their boss. I hear a lot of people talking about, man, the commute and the commute's terrible. Well, don't commute. Don't hate your boss, right? Work for yourself. Work at home. Everybody's talking about, oh, I hate going back into the office. You have an office at your house now, right? Because of the pandemic, you built an office at your house. You've worked at your house. Now these guys are making you go back to the office. Stay at home. Tridaytrading.com is going to give you a 30-day look at what your future could be like. If I said to you, hey, I'm going to give you 30 days of your future and it's going to cost you a $10 tax-deductible charitable donation. You'd take that every single day if you could see the future, right? Well, you can. And the thing at TridayTrading.com is they give it to you all for 10 bucks and a 30-day trial membership. All you have to do, give them the, go online, TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Fill out the form and trust me, the ball's going to start rolling. And the thing that you're going to figure out really quickly is this is what I want the rest of my life to look like. I have freedom, I have time, and I'm making stacks. Because that's what it's about in the day trading game. The bull market's back, by the way. I don't know how many people. I'm probably on my own in, in trading stocks. I, I am a huge trader of stock. Yep. I love it. I am passionate about it. And it absolutely makes you money. And if you're not thinking about retirement, whether you're 30 or 50, if you're not thinking about how you're going to stop working for yourself or somebody else, you're not doing it right. Because there has never been a time that's been more important to understand how to make big money than right now. Tridaytrading.com. Tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Get your $10 30-day trial membership. And if it's not for you, great. Walk away. $10, bucks, you, you've lost nothing. But everybody we know who's done that 30-day $10 membership has continued on because it makes you thousands of dollars a day. When you do it full-time, when you day trade full-time, you make thousands of dollars a day. Side hustle, hundreds of dollars a day. You automate it. You set it up every morning. You, you program the processes and the algorithms you go to work, you come home, you've made hundreds of bucks. That's what life is like at TridayTrading.com. Again, make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. The eye patch says day trading while day drinking is the life. Yeah, I'd be careful with that. I'd be careful <laughs> with that. Let's talk Utah Jazz basketball. Thanks to our friends at TridayTrading.com. How about this deal with Ryan Smith and the Utah Jazz today announcing their TV deal? And I think it's exactly what jazz fans and NBA fans should want in a TV deal. It'll be on a local TV outlet in Salt Lake City, the Utah Jazz announced today. But they are going to offer a pay-per-view stream where you can buy games on a per-game basis, a season basis. They're giving you the opportunity now to watch every single jazz game on your phone. And that's exactly what they should be doing. What else did they announce today? Well, they also announced that they're going to be opening a production company with the idea of creating daily unique content around the Utah Jazz basketball team. And I say, amen, it's high time 
This is what Ryan Smith bought the Jazz to do. This is it right here. This is exactly what I was waiting for. We told you on this show it was going to be a local deal and they were going to have a streaming uh, option in their own, in, uh, under their ownership. And that's exactly what you got today. You got it on KJAZ, which by the way is Sinclair Broadcasting for those of you who don't know. So they partnered with Sinclair for their broadcast games over the air, free TV. And now the, the app that I think is going to be vital if you're a jazz fan if you're a Utah Jazz fan, you have to subscribe to that app. You have to. It is because you're going to get uniform reviews. You're going to get news. You're going to get exclusive interviews. You're going to get behind-the-scenes looks that you're not going to get anywhere else, as it should be. And Jake, I think a lot of days I've wondered about Ryan Smith and what he was doing. Today is a day where I don't wonder. I only applaud what Ryan Smith did here. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no way to spin this other than it's a huge win for uh, as everyone calls it here in Salt Lake Jazz Nation. You know, I think, you know, whether you're a jazz fan, whether you're the organization, I think it's everything that you could ask for. Now, I, I think what's a really interesting point is if you go back to the beginning of Ryan's time and, and we look at, you know, his start versus where, where we are, what I love is the mindset that's been displayed, that the effort in bringing the jazz back to what he knew them as and what most millennials knew the Utah Jazz as, which is, uh, a, a color scheme dominated by purple in the Delta Center and free on TV. Those are the three pillars of what Ryan Smith's experience with the Utah Jazz was as a kid. And so I think we've seen a lot of that come to fruition now. I think we've come full circle. Now they just have to get the product on the court back into a place where you're competing at the top of the game. And they're working on that, obviously. That's, you know, obviously they're in the middle of a retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. And so this. This, this I love, and, it, and I've said so long for, or for so long on the show that the day they come out with an option where I can, you know, buy every, every non-national national televised game uh, through a streaming service or how, whatever the option is going to be, the day I can do that is the day that I'll be able to be a cord cutter and leave DirecTV. And that's what this is because now I can get what I need. I can get the Utah Jazz. I can get uh, League Pass through an app, and I can get That's everything right. else on YouTube TV. And my one-off shows are the things I like to watch. If I need to be on a, you know, an Amazon Prime or whatever your preferred, you know, services, you yeah. can do that now. And I think that's the beautiful thing about about this mindset. If you're Ryan Smith, is like, hey. Yep, everyone's going to be able to watch it. And I love that in the video they released, he talks about whether you have TV antennas or if you're a, a smart device person, like kind of saying, hey, whether you're on this end or that end, we've got you covered. I, I, I think that's really smart business. The yeah. only thing left to do now is to win basketball games. And I think that is what is lacking so much in sports nowadays. It's like the ownership won't do what's required to provide the fan a great experience and win games. And I feel like the Jazz are now on that path where it's like, hey, we've got the fan side of this thing covered, whether it's the building renovation, Delta Center, Delta jerseys, Center. like all of it is covered. Now we just got to go and win games. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, that, that is really important that you touched on there is rabbit ears or iPhone. It doesn't matter. You have an avenue to watch jazz games. Yeah. Um, and I think with very few exceptions, because the jazz are not going to, at least at this juncture of their rebuild, be in a lot of national TV games. I think every single jazz game is going to be available to you this year on TV. And I think, you know, whether you are a, 
you know, a YouTube TV guy, whether you are a Hulu guy, whether wherever you get your TV from, Comcast, DirecTV, you now have an avenue to watch every single Utah Jazz game. And I think it's been too many years. And the thing that I say about this, and, and I know that a lot of Jazz fans agree with me, is that the fan base has shrunk because it's aged out quite a bit. Because you're not reaching a lot of young Jazz fans. Because there are a lot of, of 10 to 18-year-olds who just don't watch TV. They're, they're, not, they're not kids anymore that sit around and are like, hey, let's watch Magnum P.I. together. That, that doesn't happen. The days of family dinner tables are rare anymore because of the way our society has changed. What you need is a way to send a notification on, a, on Jimmy's iPhone that says, hey, Jazz in Bulls tipping off right now in the Utah Jazz app. That's what you need, right? You need the ability to reach that fan passively or aggressively because if you're a diehard Jazz fan, you're not the one that Ryan's got to reach. Ryan Smith needs to reach the fan who's like, yeah, the Jazz, they're an NBA team. Yeah, they play here and, you know, we get it. That's the one you need. Because if you watch this team for five games next season, you're going to be hooked. This is going to be an entertaining team to watch. You've got a lot of young talent, and you're only going to add to that young talent in two days. Like, I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of the right things here. Now you need a way to tell that story, and you're doing that through your app, you're doing that through your stream, and you're doing that through this production company that should be following around young guys as they get drafted at the NBA draft this Thursday. Mm -hmm. You should be having you know, your young radio talent, which is very few. I'm talking to you, Ben Anderson. You should be having him do jazz reports on that jazz app and on that jazz site and in the jazz stream. Like, hey, interviews, sit downs, like, with all Best. due respect, I need more Alema Harrington and I need a lot less Craig Bowlerjack. I need a lot more Ben Anderson and a lot less Holly Rowe. I need the young guys, the energetic guys who can storytell. I need to see those guys talking to Larry Markinen. I need to see those guys following, you know, like if you don't have a crew following Walker Kessler around at the Worlds, I think you're crazy. Yeah. That's content that your fan base globally globally will eat up and if you think about the boom internationally that jordan clarkson was in the philippines and on the pacific rim you think about the reach that jordan clarkson gave you that you absolutely pissed away because you had no way to reach those people that's all changed now go and give me laurie marketing content because trust me when i say the fins are all over our channel anytime we do jazz or laurie marketing and we SEO it, we get his home country watching that content. Like, we know that already. When you have that kind of reach, man, you got to take advantage of that. And I think that's what this deal gives the Jazz a chance to do. Yeah, and I think the concept of being a global brand is brilliant. I mean, I and I, and I think that's what gets discounted in streaming so much. Like, yes. you know, again, like... Uh, there are a lot of people in the world from a business standpoint who really don't understand YouTube and don't understand streaming and like kind of how it all works. And one of the beautiful things about YouTube is it tells you, Hey, country where you, this person listened or watched yes. your content. And, and if I'm the jazz, I'm, I'm acutely aware that Jordan Clarkson's got a massive following in the Philippines and, you know, uh, uh, Lori's got this massive contingent in Finland and like, you know, uh, just all these different, uh, uh, countries, that you can bring in and the great thing again is you're you're capturing the salt lake market and really the state of utah 
with KUTV. Yes. But then you're also reaching all these other people that that you never would have reached before in a bad TV deal. And this is why I say, I don't know how much this streaming portion is going to cost. I hope it's somewhere between $10 and $30. That's what I would expect. I would love to see $20 because $20 no, is attainable. I think it'll be more than that. But I think $20 is attainable, man. I think you're going to be looking at... Um, I think you're going to be looking at 100 bucks. Mm, that's heavy. But is it? Yes. You think it is? That's heavy. I think when you're talking about the ability to watch every Utah Jazz game on your phone, I, I, I mean, if you think about where were you watching Jazz games this year? Well, you weren't. Well, but you were having to pay for what? Fubo TV? I think Teddy Wayman, and I don't know if Teddy's here, but yeah, I he think is. I think Fubo TV, Teddy, I, I'm, I'm, Fubo TV, AT&T Sportsnet, mm -hmm. NBA League Pass, you were paying 100 bucks for that. Easy. Fubo TV, I think, is $69. I can tell you right now, League Pass was awesome because I got to see every jazz game, right? But if you had cable, you were paying for cable, right? Like, you're, you're paying for it one way or the other. And I think if it's $99.99, there's going to be a hell of a lot of jazz fans that are going to be happy to pay that. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I disagree. I think you're pricing it for the wrong person. I think stream uh, a 10-year-old a, a ten year old to a 25-year-old. The, the younger generation that you're targeting has no business paying $100 just to watch jazz and their unique content. They're going to say, okay, if I'm going to pay $100, I'm going to go the league pass route, and I'm just going to deal with VPN issues. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what the younger generation But I say. think that's why you have to have the one-off content. I've got to have Walker Kessler at the Worlds. I've got to have Laurie Markkinen doing military gotta service. Got to have Danny Ainge in the office on I, draft night, I've got to have Danny. No, not even on draft night. I've got to have Danny Ainge on the phone making a trade. I need a docu-series that follows Danny Ainge around through basketball operations. And trust me, we have battled other teams in this market on this, and they just don't, they don't listen. Yeah. You've got, if, if somebody at the Jazz, and I'm going to say something over the top and outrageous, if somebody at the Jazz is taking a shit, there needs to be a camera there. Everybody is outraged. I'm telling you, that's what this has to be. If somebody at the Jazz is making a phone call, pouring a cup of coffee, sharpening a pencil, I don't care, it needs to be on tape. And specifically, if Jay-Z and Danny are doing anything basketball ops, it needs to be on tape. If Ryan Smith is playing pickleball, golf, I don't care. If he's fist bumping Tony Finau, I need it on tape. I need it on tape. And I don't need it. You know what else I need? I need it in the app first for like five days. Then put it on your social media. The days of Ryan Smith putting anything on Twitter or Instagram before it gets into that app are gone. Charge me $99 a month. Take my money, dude. Take my money. But don't you put it on social media for free before it's in that app. Make sure that I see it first. That's what this needs to be. And people don't understand that. Every team in this town should have an app. Every single one of them. Without a question. Whether it is the Utah Jazz, the Salt Lake Bees, the Utah Grizzlies... BYU, Utah, every one of them. And there should be, BYU is the best, by far, hands down. 
one-off content you get nowhere else but from the BYU production staff. Mm -hmm. How is that possible? You're getting beat. Because it's a philosophy. It's a way of life. So, so again, if you're taking a shit, I want to see it on tape. It being but bluntly honest, I want to see it on tape. Cam Harrison says, rabbit ears or iPhone? Truth. Yeah. Keaton Critchlow, what's up? Props to Ryan Smith. OG Gary says, we call buck shots bucky around here, Gilstrap. Because <laughs> Gilstrap said, I day drink and trade. Drink that buckshot, yo boy. That buckshot boy. Mm -hmm. Gilstrap, where's my buckshot? Yeah. Let's go. Appreciate you. Uh, Kyle J says, any guesses how much a yearly jazz stream subscription will cost? I think it's 100 bucks. I think it's, a, and, and I think that's $100 all in. $100 all in. And you wouldn't pay that. I think it's too heavy. I think 100 bucks is asking a lot. You do? Yeah. It's asking a lot. Okay. What, what do you think is the max that, that you could charge? Mm. I mean, I the most I would would love to see it at is seventy. I think I think seventy is is fine, but you start getting into eighty, ninety, hundred. That I mean, I'm just telling you guys, like we're in a time where people are holding on to their money, asking people for a hundred dollars a month just to watch jazz content. Like I love I love what they're doing. I, I, I do, but but you have to understand the time you're in. By the way. If you start low and you prove your value and you're doing what he said, which yeah. is, you know, you're pumping the content in and you're, you're, you're earning that trust of your don't jazz fan base, don't then say you it. can start charging more. I, it does, I don't think consumers work that way. $99.99. And in the first season, we'll give you a special one-off t-shirt. I don't know what you have to do. But what I'm telling you is I would go $99.99 all in every game. Every piece of unique content, everything, um, and I would see the the thing that I don't the thing that I need. But it depends on what kind of content you're going. I want a monthly interview with Ryan Smith, one on one in the Jazz app. Stop putting him on the radio for these crappy no no information interviews. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. One once a month, every single month, give me Ryan Smith being interviewed while he plays golf. Give me Ryan Smith being interviewed at Qualtrics. Give me Ryan Smith walking his dog, talking Utah Jazz basketball. Yeah, the pricing will probably be tiered, though, now that I think about it. I mean, you're, you're, you're okay, let's say $100 is the ceiling and you get everything, you know, that they could ever give you. You're definitely going to have a 70 and a, and a 40, where it's like, okay, 40 is going to get you a certain number of games, but no unique content. 70 is going to give you unique content and a few more games. 100 gives you everything yeah. under the sun. Uh, Jet Wayman says, I'm definitely canceling my Fubo TV now. It'll save me $80 a month. This motherfucker, he was paying $80 a month. Yeah, but who's Jet? He will Jet's bump the best up. tile guy in the state of Utah. Yeah, Jet Guy's is. Guy's getting paid. Jet's a baller. Like, I don't disagree. I, I, but I think it's a different show. But I, I think people have more money than we, than we know. But it's but a, but, uh, but again, I'm not trying I'm not trying to be argumentative. It's not about how much they have. It's what they're willing to spend. Yes, you're, I don't disagree. Like, like so that's why I say like, okay, I pay eighty something dollars a month for Directv, the package I have right now. I'm not gonna be so thrilled if I have to increase my costs just for jazz content. At least with Directv, I'm getting jazz content, yeah. but I'm getting all this other stuff too. That's the, that's what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. Uh, Domer Wop says, love your point, taking a shit on video. It, it's, but it's a philosophy, bro. It And it's really... Uh, it is shocking to me. Businesses, sports teams, people don't understand the impact that video has. I, I And I've never understood it. Like the... And this was my complaint with the half-assed jersey reveal last year. That everybody was like, oh, what's the big deal? What could it have been? What could it have been? It's not that you did a bad job, but what could you have done? You paid a bunch of designers and you had a Jordan Clarkson thing. What could you have done if you'd have done a better jersey reveal and had Danny Ainge on tape trading Donovan Mitchell? You paying 100 bucks for that? I am. I'm, I'm you talking in. about a month or for the season? I'm talking about that. for the season. For the season, that's fine. A hundred dollar annual Utah Jazz Pass. For the season, that's fine. A month, that's not fine. That's hundreds of thousands. Like, dude, yeah. If you want to pay it, if you want to pay it on a on a monthly basis, I think it's probably ten bucks a month. Yeah, yeah. You, you needed. We needed to find that. I thought you meant monthly. No, I think it's I think it's ten bucks a month. Yeah. And that's hundred and twenty dollars a year if you pay it monthly, ninety nine ninety nine if you pay it in a lump sum. And I think nine out of ten people will pay it in a lump sum. I do. Yeah. Nine out of ten people will. Uh Gilstrap says, I'll happily send you a video of, of taking a buck shot or if y'all want some out uh, uh, outside of sponsorship, I'll compensate for a membership. I mean do it. Uh, Nate Davis, I like the jazz stream. I think it's going to be 20 to 30 bucks that a month. I would not pay 30 bucks a month. Uh, and I'm glad the jazz are going back home to K jazz. Yeah. I think a lot of people are saying, Hey, going back home, uh, JK Marshall, a hundred bucks, not a chance. Okay. Uh, Ron Nolan says, if you're watching anyone taking a poop on TV, it better be a leaner. That stand and squat is sick. Well, you know. You know, uh, Steve Stepan, Stepanik, Monty, no big 12 team has left a big 12 conference and won a conference title and national title after leaving the big 12. Okay. Wow. That's cool, man. Super cool. Michael Peck, no way is $10 a month, including games. Yeah. That's what I think. I, I, I have a hard time believing that it's under a hundred bucks a year. Yeah. What would you pay a year maximum? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, a year. Yeah, so like thirty a month would be my max. So whatever that is a year. What is that? Uh, yeah, what? Three sixty. Three sixty. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be your max. That'd so you'd pay three hundred sixty dollars a year for it. Yeah. 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 I think. I think the game content's going to be probably a a hundred or so bucks a year. And I think there will be an all-in games, exclusives, all that stuff. That'll be more than that. Yeah. But I think to watch jazz basketball, you're looking at a hundred bucks a year. Yeah. Because you're not getting every game, like Knicks and Rockets. You're not getting a league pass. You're getting mm-hmm. Utah Jazz basketball. Well, and that's the battle. I think they have to fight with the pricing portion. You ha- you have to price it in a way where it's like okay. You know, the the really elite basketball fan who's gonna eat this content up, we need them to not have to not even have to think twice about adding this cost to the league pass. That like that's you have to keep that in mind. 
But then at the same time, for your you want to price in a way where the casual fan who doesn't know anything about you know Jordan Clarkson's player option or Laurie Markkinen's military time, they just know the Jazz are a thing in this town. You want it to be cheap enough where they're like, all right, cool, yeah, I'll you know I'll 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 try it this year or whatever. Yeah, you know, like you got to kind of play both worlds. But that's why I say yeah. again, it's going to be tiered. You need to understand that. Like they're going to have an option where you can pay two dollars for one game. You have to. But then they're going to have an option where you can get a five-pack and a hundred-pack and, like, all these different... Like, they're going to have tiers, no doubt. They only have 82 games. Too. Whatever. You get my point. Uh, Kyle J says, I still want an answer from Danny on um, why Donovan was traded. Like, yeah, it's never going to happen, dude. Yeah, I, I keep wishing. so. By the way, uh, round of applause for Domer Wop. Let's hey, go. Domer. Welcome to the program. Let's go. Love it, Domer. Appreciate you being here, man. Uh, you guys, make sure, A, that you hit the like button. Um, Domer Wap, make sure you DM Jake. He signed up for the uh, members-only content. Jake will add you to the Instagram uh, members-only group. Love it. Good to see you, Domer Wap. OG Gary says 100 for Lakers is worth it, but Jazz should be 30 to 50 a year. Mm, eh, I think you're pressing your luck there, mm. dude. Yeah, I think 30 to 50 a year for the all-in price is low. Yeah, yeah, hundred bucks a season is a bargain. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm season, saying. A season it's a bargain, absolutely. Hundred buck, hundred dollar annually is a steal after Fubo. I'm, yep. I, and that's my point. Like I'm telling you, I think ninety nine, ninety nine for every Jazz game on your phone. I have no idea, by the way. I, I, I have no idea. And I will say, a lot of people are asking why you know get Ryan on the show. We ask every week, every single week. I send an email to the Jazz, and his executive assistant says no when she when she answers, you know, because she doesn't often she doesn't often answer. So, uh, Monty owes a ribeye. Will the ribeye be delivered in Draper before or after the Fourth of July barbecue? Please. Teddy and I got to get on the same schedule, man. You know, uh, Brandon Butler. What is the cost on NBA League Pass? I don't know right now. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, let's see. It takes uh, Ruff's official. Oh boy. Here we go. It takes a lot of money to build and run a streaming service. The League Pass still can't get it right. Well, League Pass has had some issues on mobile devices. League Pass is $14.99. That's the base price. And then $19.99 for premium. If you just want to follow one team, pay on a monthly basis, you're thirteen ninety nine. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, Jet says, "Welcome, donor." Delaric says, "100 for a season or a dollar ninety nine a game could be interesting. Could be interesting." Fubo also gives you uh, other sports content, like a lot of soccer. I think I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, no name says Monty needs a salad, not a ribeye. Hey, man. Not all of us can be have a six-pack of abs like you do. You know. Uh, Brandon Butler. I mean, if it were $150 for League Pass and 100 for one team, then they better raise their game. I'm th but that's why I'm telling you, $99.99 for a year of Utah Jazz basketball on stream is worth it. Mm -hmm. And it's priced right. It's competitive with the NBA, but not undercutting the NBA. Like, I think it – because you know they worked with the NBA on this. Yeah. There's no doubt. Uh, Montioza Ribeye says, how's dating going, Jake? Going great. Got a girlfriend. Not dating anymore. 
There you go. A couple other things. Can we talk about... Where are we at on Kyle Kuzma real quick? Because Mm. I think this Kyle Kuzma question is a big one. Um, And, you know, here on the Monty Show, presented by The Advocates, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business, the Utah Advocates, for certain. Chat with an attorney online, 365, 24-7, 365, for free, because you never pay The Advocates unless and until they win your case. Theadvocates.com. Um, this obsession that jazz fans have developed, and I think obsession is not too strong. I think jazz fans, I think Bulls fans, I think a lot of fan bases want Kyle Kuzma. I think he will be one of the top three free agents of the summer. I think somebody is going to overpay him significantly. Mm-hmm. And I hope it is not the Utah Jazz or the Chicago Bulls. Because I do not believe that Kyle Kuzma is even a number two option on a championship team. I don't think that he is Jason Tatum. No. I don't think that he is Devin Booker. I think that when you look at the the second cut of shooting forwards, that's who I look at him as. I don't think that Kyle Kuzma is a guy you're like, yeah, we got to get him under contract so we can win this championship. No, probably not. He's no. not that guy. Yeah, so, I, I think Kyle Kuzma is this guy that, like, he's a flashy, like, on a championship team, I would want him as my sixth. That's what I'd want. I'd want him coming off the bench, first guy off the bench, to come in and give me 20, 25 a night. That's what I'd want. He reminds me of Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. Great when he's great, really not very good when he's not very good. Yeah. And I don't think you get a whole lot of in-between. I think it was un- his undoing with the Lakers. Truth be told, Kyle Kuzma was a completely different player with the Lakers than he is with Washington. Yeah. And now that he's a free agent, certainly he will not be back in Washington. But if you're going to pay that guy $25 or $30 million, there's just no chance in the world you're getting that money back. I think your your Michael Porter Jr. comparison is really spot on. I mean, again, Kyle Kuzma is 6'9", 220. You know, Michael Porter Jr. is right in that same window. The difference is, is Michael Porter Jr. is a rebound, you know, play his best defense, kind of, you know, shoot it when he's hot kind of guy. And Kyle Kuzma is a scorer first, everything else second guy. And I think you've already got that guy in your team in Laurie Markkinen. And, and I'm not saying Markkinen doesn't play defense, but, you know, again, he's your primary yes. go-to scorer right now. And so then I go to this thought of, hey, there are reports now coming out that, you know, uh, Colin Sexton's on the trade block, which isn't surprising. That's not groundbreaking news. But I look at what they're trying to do with this roster. They're trying to move on from guys who are inconsistent and get a group together that can really move forward for the next three to four seasons at least. So whether you're Kyle Kuzma and you're really inconsistent offensively and when you're bad, you're really bad, or you're Colin Sexton where you didn't really live up to it, you got hurt, like you just haven't been great for the Jazz, they're trying to get rid of those guys, and I understand that, and I love the strategy, but I just would not be paying. I wouldn't be out here paying Kyle Kuzma $80, $90, 100000000 dollar deals. Like, there's no point to that. It, like, I just wouldn't. And and even even just and, and I just mean that in the big picture, like Jazz or who the hell ever. I, I would not give this guy a triple digit contract. I just don't think he's earned that yet. I mean, what what did you really do in Washington? Right? Because, again, even though he was a kid in L.A., you got run out of L.A. because you just couldn't figure it out the way Austin Reeves has figured it out. Because isn't that what Kyle Kuzma kind of should have been? 
this guy that was real young, but real, real dynamic scorer, you know, sometimes needed to reel him in a little bit, but just couldn't quite get over the hump when he was with the Lakers. So he goes to Washington, East Coast, you know, ship him out to the other side of the country, totally different experience. And he's become a nice little scorer on a championship team. I'm want, I want him as a six man. Don't want him in my starting five. And if you can find that, then I think you're in a good place. But I'm not paying dude 80, 90, $100 million. By the way, real quick, Victor Wambanyama just threw out the first pitch at the, um, I believe that's the Yankee game. And dude, it was so bad. It it was not it was not close. Wait until okay, Victor see. Victor was on the rubber. So he tried to get cute with it, and then he tried to throw a hundred mile an hour fastball, wow. and that, he missed the the left hand batter's. But box. this guy's a generational talent, man. Come on, come on. I, I don't know. They throwing out the first pitch of the ball game. It means you. Look at me. Giraffe shouldn't be throwing pitches. Come on That's now. I'll say. And then there is Zion Williamson. Fat. I don't. I don't even know what to do with this. I, like, I understand that he has not been what people wanted him to be. He's been at times very good when he has played, but there are times where he has just. A, not played, obviously, and where he's just been a mediocre player. And without question, he's he's been an absolute bust. Mm-hmm. Because simply just like throw out the strippers for a minute. <laughs> just on a basketball level, you've paid a guy and now you've extended the guy and he is not produced on the floor. Yeah, he Simply because he has not been able to stay healthy and play. And now... You introduce some heat. And when I say you introduce some heat, I mean heat from <laughs> Mariah Mills, <laughs> who is an adult performer who has just been savaging, savaging Zion Williamson on Twitter. Bloody clean, methodical, and thorough. To the point where her Twitter account has now been suspended. Because today, Mariah Mills threatened Zion Williamson with releasing a sex tape that <coughs> they made together. Dude. To the Pelicans in the New Orleans community. Unless the New Orleans Pelicans traded him. And apparently that violates Elon's moral compass because Twitter suspended her like very quickly. Yeah. Yep. And my question is, and I'm not going to get into the specific details of what this woman has said. But Zion, what are you doing? He by all accounts from his social media has a child on the way, Mm -hmm. but I believe it's, and I could be wrong. I believe it is between four and six women now have come out and said that they were his side hustle and none of them knew about each other. Certainly Ms. Mills, who again is an adult performer 
and has said some heinous things about him. Yeah. And released DMs and the adult content that they have traded <coughs> of each other's <coughs> physical attributes. Yeah. And the terrible things that she has said to him about him and the things, the acts that she has described between them. Right. And I don't even care what you do in your personal life. But this is just stupidity out of New Orleans now. At what point do you say this dude's not worth it? Because I got news for you. This dude's not worth it. He's not, he's never going to be healthy. Never. Because he's not a dedicated professional at this point. And unless his nutrition and his conditioning and training completely change, that's not going to change. By the way, um, everybody's favorite adult entertainer, Mariah Mills says that she got him on a diet and a conditioning program, and that's when he had that healthy stretch. Mm -hmm. And then he started messing with all these other chicks, and he stopped eating well, and he stopped working out, and he got hurt again. Yeah. And she's got text messages. She's got snaps. She's got cash apps. And evidence of all of this, like her conversations with his personal chef up and until the personal chef started hitting on her, which she also has screenshots of. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible that Zion Williamson not only is a bust on the basketball court, but his personal life is now spilled out into the public view, including an alleged sex tape. Why is New Orleans hanging on to this dude? Yeah, I mean, I think I think New Orleans is trying to tell themselves that hey, this this could eventually work out, and 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 they're only holding on to him for fear that they'll trade a guy that you know is is at some point going to live up to the generational talent label. You know, I mean, that's that can be, that's it. I mean, that's all it can be. I mean, again, you're not looking at this guy saying, yeah, wow, we got to keep this guy in his current form. I mean, that's not why you're keeping Zion Williamson. You're you're married. I guess married design Williamson because of what he could be. And and the problem is, is that, you know, again, this is the Damian Lillard problem. This is the problem we see in sports all the time. Oh yes, man. It is. Hey, what, what could it be? What, what could we turn into? Never mind where our feet are now, right? Like never mind what new Orleans could be. Cause I maintain mm. they're a move or two away from being a real problem in the West. And I'm not saying they're better than Denver or whatever, but but my point is, is if you were to do a, a Zion Williamson trade, even as damaged goods, you could still get draft capital. I'm sure you could still go out and replace him with even half as good a player. Like, uh, again, a guy that's more available. Can you imagine this happening in another market? Could you imagine Zion Williamson doing this in Salt Lake City? Could you imagine him doing this with the Lakers or the Clippers? No. With... A I just don't think there's a lot of teams that have put up with this. And I think, I think there is a humiliation factor in New Orleans. They don't want to admit they missed on this guy. They, they don't. But what I'm telling you is this is a maturity issue. Yeah. This kid needed four years at Duke. And he got one that ended because he blew out a shoe. Right? Like he needed maturity and development. Man, and you saw him start to get overweight at Duke. He's continued that trend. He'll lose weight. 
but then he's got, you know, a baby coming and he's going to gain baby weight. Like it's, you're never, in my opinion, going to see the top end of this guy and you need to, to, to kick him. And I think the reason that they won't do it is because they don't want him to go somewhere else and develop. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that's a ridiculous way to go about it. Yeah, I, I really do. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, OG Gary says Zion hasn't produced on the basketball floor, but he's producing on a different floor. I'm a man. Floor of the strip club, man. Uh, Delaric blackmail. Yeah, she's going to blackmail. She tried to blackmail him with this sex tape. Uh, Zion should tell her to pay him royalties on the tape, Giggity says. Well, well, and again, see, this is the other way you could go about it if you're the Pelicans, and frankly, if you're Zion. You could say, yeah, great. She has a sex tape, great. Air it. I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm focused on my game and doing what I do, and if you want to air that sex tape, fine. Like, just cut the knees out from under it and be okay with whatever's on that sex tape. Like, like again, I know it's super uncomfortable, and it's way harder to do that than it is to say that, but ultimately, if you were to think of it this way, if this dude somehow, someway found a way to come out and say something like that, hey, yeah, it's cool, man. Hey, if she's got a sex tape, she can air it, and that's her business, and and yeah, I made a mistake here, and, and this is something that I'm going to learn from. And I understand that this mm. may be an ongoing thing, but I'm going to focus on my game, and I'm going to get in shape and show, show the world what I can really do. And then he does that, and he comes out and dominates the league, even for one season, a healthy 79-game stretch. The whole narrative on the whole situation changes. It just homegirl goes away. Like nobody cares about her. But isn't isn't this John Moranch is different? Isn't that this is young guys who don't know how to control their personal life? I think the difference is I, I would agree with that generally. I think the difference is is people with jaw are like, dude, is this guy gonna be okay? Like, is this guy is this you like, think people aren't asking that about Zion Williamson? No, because this is classic, hey, I fooled around with a bunch of women athlete issue that's what this is john morant is like guns and alcohol and and you know hey is this dude going to be alive at one point i mean that's where we were with Ja at one point so that's why i say like yeah they both have issues but Man. but like zion trends much more towards deshaun watson territory than he does to guns and am i going to be mm -hmm. alive territory gabriel says uh, appreciate you keeping this a family program lol uh, MJ Bissett says, darn, dude. <laughs> Giggity says, wonder what the conditioning consisted of. Well, I mean, come on. What do you think it consisted of? What do you think it consisted of? Right? Like, mm -hmm. dudes. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's insane to me. Uh, Greg Hawkins, what's up, my guy? He says, sup, haters and friends. Um, Salty Drunk says, LM is getting paid unders. Lori Marketing. What do you mean? Uh, C. Kaufman. I think this is a good sign that one and done doesn't work very well. It is really risky. Yeah. Really, really risky. Mike Rochburns says, hey, boys. <laughs> hi, hi, Mike. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, Michael Peck. I, a lot of people called this with Zion before he entered the league. You could tell at Duke he wasn't dedicated to being in shape. Easily, you could tell. Yep. You could absolutely tell. Jet Wayman, I think the Pels could get a huge package if they trade Zion. See what he did there? A huge, uh, it's a huge package, you know. 
Uh, Mike Maple, Zion going full Dirk Diggler. Never go full Dirk. No. Never go full Dirk. Uh, Marvin Nelson, Damian Jones exercised his option for 23-24 season. Thoughts? He's irrelevant. Yeah. Just doesn't. What else was he going to do? When, when, why would he have not? Yeah. He's not an in-demand free agent. He's, he's a 12, 13, 14 guy. Uh, salty drunk. He's no different to a high clip of NBA players letting their little head do the thinking for their big head. Hey, agreed. You know, facts. I, I don't, I seriously, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. But that's why I think we got to appreciate guys like LeBron who really haven't had any issues. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, I've disagreed with some of the off the court stuff he's done politically, but you know, he, LeBron's never had baby mama drama, as they call it. You know, never nope. had these crazy stories. No, he hasn't. And I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, make sure you hit the like button, please. That really helps the channel grow. Let's talk about Michael Jordan being broke. Yeah. So this story, I, I, I spent quite a bit of time on this this morning trying to figure this out. And I think it's very interesting, very interesting, that there is a belief that Michael Jordan is in financial trouble. And it's actually not that far-fetched. Not that far-fetched. As the story goes, 2019, I guess it was, right? GameStop is the most shorted stock in the last 15 years. Yeah. Well, a gentleman named Gabe Plotkin, who's a billionaire, Mm-hmm a billionaire, allegedly went to Michael Jordan and said, hey, man, dude, you know, let's let's do some business together. Let's, you know, like, I'm Gabe Plotkin. I'm a BFD, man. American businessman founded a group called Melvin Capital Management. Like, yeah. the guy is a, is a five, six, seven billionaire. Mike's like, all right, cool. Here's half a billion dollars. Here's $500 million. Go short GameStop, which is exactly what Gabe Plotkin did. Took all of Mike's money and went and shorted GameStop. Anybody been to a local GameStop lately? Yeah, they're there because they never went out of business. And what's that mean? When you short a stock, what are you betting on? You're betting on it's going to fail. And that GameStop would go out of business. And you will make a crap ton of money doing that. Yeah. Yeah, the only problem is when you short a stock and it doesn't go out of business, they start charging you extra money for that. <coughs> and so eventually when it doesn't go out of business, you're starting to lose more and more and more and more and more and more and more money. Time for a margin call. Well, Gabe Plotkin had the money. The people he bought GameStop from and partnered with to buy GameStop shorts They had money because they're billionaires. Michael Jordan doesn't have billions of dollars. Now, is Michael Jordan worth billions of dollars? Well, yeah, he is. But where's all of his money tied up in? Where's his net worth come from? Mm -hmm. Two sources, Nike and the Charlotte Hornets. Hmm. Well, Mike, it's time to pay your bill on GameStop. And I know we screwed up. We lost you a bunch of money, but... That's the market. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get money from you. He doesn't have a billion dollars of liquidity. Um. So what did he do? He sold 
the Charlotte Hornets. And who did he sell it to? Gabe Plotkin, the guy that he owed, who he gave him $500 million to go and short GameStop. Mike gave that money to Gabe Plotkin, allegedly. Who just bought the Charlotte Hornets? Gabe Plotkin did. And why did he do that? Because Mike owed him money. So now Gabe, who's a billionaire, a four or five billionaire, playing with tens and 20 billionaires, bought the Charlotte Hornets from Michael Jordan, allegedly took the money that Michael owed him out of that sale, and Michael Jordan no longer owns a majority. He's a minority owner. And everybody walks away. And Mike's about a billion light. And the Plotkin contingency, of course they were made whole. Yeah. They got their money because they don't even care about half a, half a billion. I'm a five, six, seven billionaire. That 500 million wasn't my money. That's Mike's money. Yeah. And he had to cover the losses. Mike had to cover his own losses. So he sold me the Hornets. So what happened to Gabe Plotkin? Gabe Plotkin's net worth went up by $3 billion because that's what the Hornets are worth now. Mike's going to make his $400 million from Air Jordan every year. But when you just lost a billion shorting GameStop, how's that $400 million working for you? Yeah. It's not enough. Pretty I think fascinating. It makes perfect sense. Fascinating stories being told about whether or not Michael Jordan was leveraged over a GameStop short. Yeah. And I and I think that's that's the tough part about having money. It's like Dude. it's like, okay, if you don't have money, you can't really operate. You can't you, you don't have options because you don't have the liquidity. But then in Mike's case, it's like, hey, he has all this net worth, but he's not liquid. So when he's shorting a stock and he's doing business and, and if this is true, and it, to me it looks like it's true, but if it is true, Mike was in some waters he wasn't particularly comfortable with or, or savvy in or experienced in, Man. right? And so this is the type of thing that can happen. And, and I think that, you know, again, like, I, I, that's why I look at opportunities and not even because they advertise on the show, but that's why the tri-day trading thing is safe because they have a program and they teach you and their structure and you know what you're doing. You're not handing half a billion dollars yeah. to some dude who's going to go short GameStop. So ultimately one decision by Michael leads to him having to sell his franchise. Like again, did he, did, is everyone square and it's whole and it worked out? Yeah. But Imagine how upset Mike was when he learned he had to sell. And I know they're not good. And, you know, all the, all the mouthpieces at Fox and all these different outlets want to say that he was a terrible owner. And that might be true. Cool. But we're not talking about that. But we're talking about, hey, this dude is a basketball we're legend. We're talking about a kid from North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Who yes. owned the Charlotte Hornets. And he was leveraged, allegedly leveraged into a sale of the Hornets by a billionaire now did did Gabe Plotkin set out to screw Michael Jordan probably not a lot of people lost their ass on GameStop shorts yes a lot kind of convenient though the billionaires didn't lose their ass they gained a basketball team think about it man like um, you, you've held on this long to GameStop shorts at some point you knew you were going to have to kick them down yeah and they did I think it makes sense and it's amazing to me 
that when you understand how the market works, and when I heard this, it made complete sense to Perfect me. Perfect sense. It made complete sense. Because I, yeah. I know other people who lost their ass on GameStop. A well, lot what of What was GameStop, though? What was it? It was essentially a, oh, my God, oh, my God, gold rush. And everybody and their mom gold rushed it just like they did on, like, cryptocurrency. Think about AMC stock. Lost their ass, Right. Because what do we know about shorting stock? Put Michael's situation aside. What do you know about shorting stocks? Hey, if you're going to short a stock, timing has to be essential. You got to get in at the proper point. Then you got to get out at the proper point. Because if you don't, you're going to lose your ass. And you better understand that if that stock doesn't fail, you need to sell quick. Yes. And you better have the liquidity to cover that loss. And I'm talking about at the slightest shift in momentum that that business is going to survive. You got to get out. It's, it's, isn't it fascinating though? Yeah. The, the, and you talk about Tri-Day trading. That's what I talk about. That's why I love stocks. Yeah. Because I made my money on AMC. I did quite well on AMC. I was not one of the people who shorted it. I bought low and sold high. And I think I think we did that two or three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where we, we did. bought high and, and or bought low and sold high on AMC, and like it, 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 there is absolutely a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I think it's fascinating. Billionaires don't look at five hundred million dollars as a lot of money. Mm-mm. They don't. Mike does. Mike have his private golf club that's totally sold out. He does. Does he have his Air Jordan royalties? He does. Does he have the Charlotte Hornets? No, he doesn't. <coughs> does he have more money than, than he'll probably ever need? Yeah, he probably does. But do you know anybody who's comfortable losing a billion dollars minimum? Right. It's not about the money you had. It's about the money you don't have now. He, it's about he, the situation. By some reports, Michael Jordan walked away a billion light from the sale of the Charlotte Hornets. Now. Some people are going to say, okay, well, he's still a billionaire. Well, yeah, that might be true, but that's but, not the point. But I'd also remind you, he had minority owners beneath him. So if it's sold for, I think, $3.5 it's not like Mike's getting $3.5 Oh, so now we take off a full billion because that's what he probably lost on GameStop. Yep. Now we're down to $2.5 Oh, now we got to pay all the, the minority owners out. Yep. So what are we now probably down to a billion? And I know you're like, oh, but Monty, it's a billion dollars. Not when you fucking lost a billion on top of that. <coughs> you could have walked away with two billion. Ah, who cares? No, I don't think so. Everybody's like, well, he makes $400 million a year from Jordan. The guy also gambles on the golf course. Yes. That, do, you, do you guys understand that when you make the money that Mike was making, you don't have a cheap lifestyle. By the way, he just had triplets. You don't live a cheap lifestyle, dude. Why do you think Shaquille O'Neal owns hundreds of restaurants? Because he lives an expensive lifestyle. Numbers game. And he knows that pension and the TNT money ain't going to last him forever living that lifestyle. I'm telling you, it's a crazy story. Salty Drunk says how. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That That was my response when I first saw this. I was like, dude... Get the hell Crazy. out of here with this nonsense about Jordan being broke. And then you start to look at it and you're like, yeah, yeah. he's not broke. He's just strapped. Yeah. McKinley Cutler. What? Wait, how can MJ be broke? He gets banked from shoe sales. Yeah. Now you know. Now you know. Now 400 you know. million. Ain't it's 400 million. 
Todd James says, uh, I go to GameStop a lot. Yeah, unfortunately for Michael Jordan, you do. Yeah, so do a lot of people. And Mike's <laughs> got a problem there, man. Gabriel says, guess what happened, though? Our Wall Street kept GameStop alive and he lost money. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's all about the position yeah. you had on GameStop. I mean, a lot of people bet, hey, GameStop's going to rebound. But a lot. But remember, what was the verbiage back then? GameStop to the moon, bro. Yeah. AMC to the moon, bro. Yep. Dogecoin to the moon, bro. I mean, again, remember, you were riding the wave between 10 and 20, 10,000 and 20,000. And the game was, hey, dude, if we get to 23,000, 24, we got to get out. You got to get out. I mean, you got to get out and take your profit. And that was the problem. I specifically remember at our old set, we would talk about all the time on the show, hey, starting the day at 16, can we get to 24 and get out? And we would just kind of go after it every single day. But imagine being in a different position, being in Mike's position. You're shorting the stock. And the worst part is you handed a dude half a bill and you didn't know what he was going to do with it. You didn't know what he was going to do with it. That's the question. I mean, I have to think. Michael Jordan's not stupid. I have to think he understands the premise of shorting a stock. Oh, he does. He does. He does. But to your point, Gabriel, with our Wall Street, our Wall Street, by the way, is a Reddit group. It's an amazing, it was an amazing time, dude. Like the, the pandemic sucked balls, but I'm telling you the market, if you're not, if you haven't at least, I would encourage you to just go to tridaytrading.com and look at it. Just look at it. Just go look at it. Like you read the stories that, cause they have a bunch of, of their students that leave them stories that say, Hey, this is what it meant to me. Here's where I'm at. Here's what you read the stories of the people who got into the market low where it is right now. And they rode that wave back up, and now it's back in a bull market. By the way, who, who is the ones that survives the bear market means a down market? Look at all the people who made millions during the bear market. And why? Because they're day traders. You got you to get your positions when it's low. Trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Capazzo, business issues coupled with gambling problems will drive MJ into, MJ into bankruptcy. You ain't well, even Well, you know it's a lesson learned. I mean, you know that's a shot over his financial bow big time. You, you, you know. Uh, Gil Strip, we going to talk about Coach Prime about to lose a foot and him saying do it sooner than later versus this uh, bam. Dude, I'm telling you. Coach Prime's a he's a fascinating dude. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah. Coach Prime has a blood clotting issues in his left leg. Um he cannot feel the bottom of his left foot. And they are talking about cutting his left foot off. Um, um Deion Sanders told his medical team on a on his YouTube show, do it if we're gonna do it, let's do it, because I got the football season coming up. Yep. If you're going to cut my foot off, do it now because I've got football coming up. Ow! <laughs> do you understand? Like, Commitment, think about bro. the psychosis in this shit. Like, okay, so I gave you half a billion dollars and you lost it all and now I owe you a billion? Okay, let me sell my basketball team. Boom. Hey, out of here. if you're going to cut my foot off, do it now. Football starts in like six weeks. I think that's HIPAA. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, bro. Are you kidding me right now? Domer Wap says, well, hey, basketball players know about investing. Some of them do. Uh, Todd James, athletes always invest their money smartly. Right, always. Right. Always. Always. Monty owes a ribeye. Shorting can be risky. Very <laughs> yeah. profitable posi- proposition, though. 
Salty drunk. It goes to show that the more you have, the more you want. Facts. It's never enough. Facts. You and know. guys like Jordan and Prime, they're 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 consumers. Well, the thing is, once you get to that level, you know just how much further you could push the envelope. That's no, but the problem. You can afford more. Yeah. You can. Af so you're willing to. Yeah. Right. I wish I was at that level, man. Michael Peck. Oh, I feel uh, so bad for him. Dude is still richer than God. Give me a break. Nobody's saying that he's he's not fine. I'm not he's saying fine. dude's going to pitch a 10 on a curb in Chicago, dude. That's not what he, I'm saying. He walked away from his team and lost a billion doing it. Yeah. Come on. Dude, come on. Come on now. That's that's crazy. That is that's crazy. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Like, come on now. Katie Raider says afternoon. Pew, pew. You should go back to the beginning of the show. Uh, J.K. Marshall, he's still a billionaire. Yeah, that's the point. No, he's not a billionaire. His net worth was all tied up in his basketball yeah, Do you team. understand the difference between net worth and liquidity? Net worth doesn't... Like, if your net worth is a, a gazillion dollars, that doesn't mean your liquidity is a gazillion dollars. Like, you have assets that equal a net worth of X. This is the Donald Trump thing. Yeah, precisely. But don't piss people off because, you know... We, you're yeah. worth what your portfolio is worth. So your golf clubs, your houses. Right? Michael Jordan was worth his private golf club, the Charlotte Hornets, his Nike deal, like all that stuff. Because you profit and loss sheet, right? Well, you take away $3.5 billion and then another billion dollars and then probably another half a billion dollars, right? Like he's... His net worth was crippled by the sale of the Hornets. Like, it's a little surprising. It's a little surprising. So, you know, um, it is what it is. Michael Peck. Uh, considering he bought the team for 250 I have zero sympathy that he sold for a netted $2 billion. He didn't net He didn't, dude. You're, you're missing the point. He didn't net $2 billion. He's got to pay Buddy from Wall Street. He's got to pay all the minority owners. So, again, it sold for $3.5 billion. Yeah. Right? He lop a billion off of that to pay his debt. Now he's down to two and a half billion. Now he's keeping a minority stake in the team. So let's say that a minority stake is, again, half a billion dollars. Now you're down to $2 million. Now you pay your minority owners out, right? Let's say you have a billion left after that. Let's just think about all the debt he has. Yeah. Think about it, like the stress, like the, I'm not saying that he's leveraged. He's got cash in the bank. But dude, when you were worth four to $5 billion and you're walking away and you're worth a billion, net, Too bad. like your net worth is a billion, dude. A lot of bread. That's bro. a huge loss. Yeah. Huge loss. Yeah. You know, Todd James says, yep, those stocks got big lifts during COVID. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Tyler Gilstrap, Coach Prime, all hat, all cattle, wrestling. We'll see, man. Yeah. We'll see what he does with that foot. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about a couple other things because, one, speaking of billions, I'm reading Twitter on this. And I know we talked about it to start the show today. Yeah, we'll talk about it again. We got a lot more people here now. But I'm reading Twitter about this Titanic thing. The former passengers were terrified. Terrified. 
when they were on the submersible. Terrified, they said. So, again, here's the question I need answered. Where was your mind when you were like, <coughs> hmm, <coughs> okay, so $250,000 per seat. Let's go with this guy, the richest man in Pakistan. Him and his son were on the submersible that's missing. Mm -hmm. The richest man in Pakistan. So you paid half a million dollars for you and your kid to get on this boat, submersible. Did, and you must have taken a fucking tour, right? Like you didn't just hand over half a million and be like, all right, whatever it is. Because if it looks like, you know, Captain Jack's barnacle of a ship, are you getting on that? So I would think you took a tour, right? <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. This thing seats five passengers. Mm -hmm. And you guys, I'm not even joking. I am not even joking about this. They steer this thing with a PlayStation remote control. I started having second thoughts. That's it right there. The screen behind it and that remote, that's what controls the whole submersible. This is what it looks like. This is what controls it. Okay, right there. Right there. Can we hit pause? Right there. I'm like, all right, nope, good. I'm good. I'm not, I, like, I, I really have to ask the question. When you were like, yeah, hey, this remote right here is what controls this this vessel, if you will, this submersible. Uh, were you not like, all right, dude, uh, yes, yeah, so look, how far below nope. the surface is the is good old uh, Titanic that's in two pieces and rusted to no end? Yeah, it's uh, two and a half miles below the surface. But do you guys understand? That's a 12-hour trip. In that thing. You're, you're going down. Here's, here's the 12 hours. You got to go down to the Titanic. You circle around the Titanic and above the Titanic. And then you have to climb back to the surface. That takes 12 hours. And the only way to pee or poop, God forbid you have to poop. And this is the owner, Stockton Rush, who, by the way, was on the submersible. He is one of the missing. There's a hole in the floor that you pee and poop in. <coughs> Note there's no curtain in that cabin and the, and the pooper is behind him. The pooper is behind him. That's how small this is. Look at this image right here. This is a CBS News interview. He shows him the game controller and the reporter starts laughing at him. Because <laughs> again, you guys, I'm not joking. This is a, a, re, a repurposed video game controller that is, that is entirely in charge of controlling the, the machine. And what they think is the likely scenario because what happened is an hour and a half into the descent, they lost communications with the vessel. The common theory is somehow they had a structural integrity issue. The pressure imploded and instantly killed everybody. And the submersible sank to the bottom of the ocean because, by the way, they can't search down there. Yeah. 
So note that the search and rescue <coughs> mission has been all surface. Airplanes, boats, all surface. All radar, all sonar. They have not searched below the water level yet because they cannot go down. They cannot search at that, at that two, two and a half and mile half mark. Two and a half miles, bro. Do you, Where, I mean, do you understand that? Like, now, and if they're dead... If they're dead on this Titanic submersible thing, let's hope that that's what happened. That they lost pressure, the thing, because, and if you know this, I apologize. I don't mean to manspeak at you. But what happens is, as you go down, the pressure from the water exerts incredible force on this submersible. Yeah. And if it's not built correctly, Oh, yeah, that's right. There was a whistleblower lawsuit. They settled out of court that says that they were not reinforcing their holes correctly. A former employee sued OceanGate, which is the name of the company that runs these things, and said that, yeah, the submersible hole was not properly built to withstand the pressure. So what they think happened is this thing got down and the water pressure smashed it, instantly killing everybody. Yeah. Let's hope that's what happened. Because what's the alternative? Nothing good. Well, we lost motor and uh, function. And so, yeah, we sank to the bottom of the ocean and we just waited to run out of oxygen. Or we waited for it to crush us. Which would not happen. If they were just out of motor control, the integrity of the submersible would be fine. You're sitting, hopefully not upside down. You're just sitting, and some people are concerned that, yeah, maybe they sink and hit the Titanic, and they're stuck on the deck of the Titanic. That would be worst case. They cannot move, and they have about, right now here, it's about 30 hours left. 35 hours left of oxygen. Can you imagine being stuck on the floor of the ocean, two and a half miles down. No motor skills. Nobody's coming for you. You're sitting there dying, dude. You're on the clock. You got 35 hours left to live. Oh, that's only if it goes horribly wrong. Then you better hope that the kind way to die is from exposure. It is so cold at the bottom of the ocean that hypothermia will kill you. So you're sitting there and when you die from hypothermia, you, there is pain involved, but generally what happens is you fall asleep and you never wake up. And everybody, it, the common theory is that people would be like trying to keep you awake, odds against odds, somebody's gonna come and save you, which they're not. Because there's nobody Nobody, current technology, nobody has the ability to go and do a rescue mission. Two and a half miles down, you're dead. It's over. It's over. You're dead. So hopefully, you, I would, I would think you would choose hypothermia at that point. But can you imagine the panic and the despair yeah. and the terror? Yeah. Which is why I'm not getting on that thing in the first place. I, just, the answer even if is, I didn't know. The answer is no. I'm not going on a 12 to 14 hour journey in this fucking thing. Yeah, that's a death pod, bro. I'm not doing that. Yeah. 
I am not, to, especially when you know, hey, here's the room you have on the inside. Nah, bro, I'm good. I'm good. And I don't care how many journeys this thing has taken. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'd rather do this right here than this right here. See what I did? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. All right, your thoughts. Would you pay $250,000 for this? Gabriel no. says, I would choose getting lost in space than lost deep in the ocean any day. Oh, my God. Could you imagine being lost at the bottom of the ocean? No. Oh, my God. You guys, come on. That's, that's crazy. Uh, Elaine Tran says, I have fear for the sea. Yes. You should. Uh, Domer Wap says, I have nobody. Uh, I hope nobody had gas. Seriously. Gabriel, if you are open gate, you better send all those subs you have towards a Titanic and investigate. You better. You better. Because they'll never recover it. They're saying if it's dead, if it's just laying there at the bottom of the ocean dead, they won't recover it. Yeah. There, it's almost... And I understand it. It is so dark and yeah. so desolate and so dangerous. They would not go and recover it. Well, and I think they have to find it first, by the way. That, so that's that's what I'm really curious about. So obviously we we have submarine full on submarine technology that can handle this. Right. Where you can at least go and ascertain, like go to the Titanic site is just see, hey, did they even make it to the site? Because if they never even made it to the site, it's, I mean, you're, you're never even going to be able to put together a story about what happened. If you can find the wreckage at the site, let's say, then at least you can be like, okay, based on the position, here's what would have happened. And like, so, so that's where, Dude. so that's where I'm kind of like, okay, by Friday, because today is what, Tuesday, right? Yeah. So by Friday, you can't tell me we're not launching submarine missions to go down there and just ascertain the Titanic site and see it is the wreckage there, right? Is the 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 Ocean Gate wreckage there? A. B. Now we have to have an entire reform on on doing these kind of dives and stuff. People have died now, and and it feels like. We had a guy building subs in his basement and rolled out a company and held the thing together with duct tape and did 200 dives allegedly, and the 201st killed everybody on board. That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. It's so scary looking at these updates. I just, I just, I don't even know what you do. I mean, these are some of the richest people in the world in this submarine that are dying. And interesting, interesting, in Pakistan, a group of people left Pakistan on a boat and drowned. And what were they trying to do? They were trying to escape hunger and poverty because they were so poor. And now the richest family in Pakistan is going to lose the father and his son at the bottom of the ocean where they paid half a million dollars to get there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. irony. Yeah. Oh. Oh, Mr. Guy says, what to do with those final hours? Dude, can you imagine that? Can you imagine Terrorized. that? Oh, my God. 
Uh, AAR says the magic submarine is now part of the Titanic exhibit. <laughs> okay, so you guys understand oh. that like a naval class submarine, military naval class submarine, their average depth is somewhere around 2,200 to 3,000 feet. That's kind of the oh, no, operating... No. Right? That's like have the, a panic attack thinking about that. Right, but, but hear, hear me out on this point. That, so 2,200, 3,000 feet, somewhere in that range, that's where naval subs hang out most Ugh. of the time. Let me put this into perspective. Ugh. The Titanic is sitting at 13,000 feet, like 10 times where a naval sub would hang out. That's what I'm talking about, man. Like, Why do you want to go down there? I don't know. And I don't know. I, I, do you think these people who went down there knew about the whistleblower, whistleblower yes. lawsuit? I think rich people know about a lot of lawsuits, and I think they look into things, and I think they're very particular, and I think that they just probably ignored it. Honestly, when bad things happen to people, it's because we ignore our instincts. We ignore what our instincts are telling us. Okay, and we've already had the Russian submarine, right? It was a Russian submarine that failed. Yeah. And sank to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. <sighs> nah, I'm fine. I'm never, I'm never doing this. Never. And the deepest diving uh, Soviet era sub was built out of titanium, which makes it stronger. You can dive deeper. And they only got to 4,200 feet. Oh my God. So that's what I'm saying. Like you're not, Come on. like, I, I, Come like on. it would take a Herculean effort to get to where this guy got to. And I understand that's why it has, that's why that capsule has to be so small. Cause once you start getting bigger and elongating, yeah. like, withstanding force becomes more difficult. So you understand the size thing, but, but if you're going to do this and put people's lives in danger, like, I, I don't know, man, that's just, yeah. Teddy, you couldn't pay me to get on that thing. Me either. Hell no. <laughs> Big Jack 512. Uh, Marianne greater than ginger. Yes. The U.S. has allegedly, based on this article I'm reading, has oh. something called DSRV, which is Deep Submergence Rescue Vehicles, that are much like this, obviously much more well-built, and, and can descend to 35,000 feet. So they have, we have technology allegedly to explore the difference is exploring versus rescuing are two different things right just going down and having a look around is different than you know hey how can we pull this thing back to the surface that's totally different that's why i say at some point someone's gonna have to go down there and see what happened i just don't i you gonna have to i don't get it i don't get it and and real quick before we get out of here speaking of rich people who are assholes why do we care about the royal family? Can can somebody help me with this? Like I I've, I I don't understand this. So you guys know about this Meghan and Harry thing, right? Meghan mm -hmm. and Harry allegedly. Meghan <clears throat> and Harry allegedly were complete cocks to work with at Spotify. Spotify gives them a massive deal, huge deal to do a podcast. They were so uncooperative, allegedly, reports say, that Megan would refuse to do the show live, and she'd be like, all right, 
Yeah, just send me a script and I'll record it separately. So like you'd be doing a podcast. It'd be like me saying to Jake, so Jake, what do you think about the jazz TV deal? And Jake tonight at like eight would get the script. Hey, Jake, what do you think of the jazz TV deal? Well, you know, the jazz TV deal. And then a producer would have to put all that together because Megan couldn't be troubled to do it live. Mm -hmm. And Harry apparently is even worse. So Bill Simmons, who is at the tippy top at Spotify, uh, this week when they fired Harry and Megan, his wife, Bill Simmons did not hold back. I, I have, I'm going to pose this question to you. You you do a lot of business deals, a lot of negotiations. I do. Well, let, let's just. I pretend. wish I had been involved in the Megan and Harry leave Spotify negotiation. <laughs> the fucking grifters. That's a podcast we should have launched with them. We- um, I got to get drunk one night and tell the story of the Zoom I had with Harry to try to help him with a podcast idea. Do it. It's one of my best stories. Dude, we, we, there hasn't been a Drunk Let's Simmons just, podcast. Let's both get drunk, drunk and then it'll just be drunk. Save that idea. <laughs> it'll be really the easy. Fucking, the grifter. Here's- Dude. Are you serious? What are we doing? Like, hey, hey, but what, again, rich people problems. Like, why do we care about these the royal family? Like, who cares about Harry and Meghan? Who cares? I couldn't care less. It's not possible for me to care less. I could, like, Prince Charles is such a cock. I could not physically. It's not possible for me to care less about them. Yeah. So Bill Simmons, who I don't regularly agree with, thank you. Thank you. Because they are, they're absolutely grifters. They're absolutely like, uh, well, I was a prince at one time in my life. Pay me $10 million. I'm a man. And if you do... I'll poop on your stoop. Like, I'm not paying you $10 million to poop on your, your my stoop, but I'm a prince. And this Seriously, is Megan, my, my wife. And she'll fart on your foot, but it's going to cost you $20 million at that point. Can you do something for me? Hey, by the way, um, what do you think of this house? Oh, I love it. Oh, well, how about this? I'll burn it down for you if you pay me $10 million. I'll ruin everything in here. I'll ruin everything in here. Pay me $10 million. <coughs> That's what this guy does. Yeah. Everywhere they go. Yes. I'm a prince. Pay me Drama. money. Drama. You're, you're, a little, you're, a, you're a little person. Pay me money. I'm a big person. Drama, dude. I'm a prince. Right? Like, that's what you are. And I don't understand that. And I, it, like, remember Harry, though. Harry served in the military, like, deployed, fought in forward territories, like, he had it all. And then he just, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Which and I'm is ju- wild. I'm just like, dude. I mean, imagine living a life where you never have to think about money. Ever. Everything's handed to you. I like, don't get it. You're so, like, you're just disconnected. Yeah, you like, live in a different world. You have no idea what people struggle with. Oh. Because he literally wipes his ass, I believe, with $100 bills. Yeah. He puts Benji's on that boho, man. Yes. Like well, he's I team th- lean, though. He's team lean. He's team lean. Right. He's team lean. Right. Man, I had a traumatic incident in the, in the crapper today. <sighs> yeah, it, was, it had nothing to do. The poop was fine. But the mark on my head is like, Jackass. Jesus. Anyway, the point is, why do we care about the Royals? I just, I, I think we used to care a lot. Like, I think... I think your generation cared a ton about the Royals 
But I think the younger generations kind of moved away from that, where it's just like, yeah, whatever, they're whatever. They just are some family. I guess, because I don't get that. And then finally, we got to talk about aliens in your backyard. <laughs> Dude, bro. Because there's some alien stuff going on in the backyard, and I wonder if you guys think this is true. There's like an eight-foot person beside it, and another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us. And he's talking and to 911 here. Okay, where is this on your property? Uh, uh, in my backyard. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually so weird. Two, terrified. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard? Correct, and they're very large. They're okay. like eight foot. Nice feet, ten foot. I don't know. They're, they, look like, they look like aliens to us. That, it, it, so I, I'm not necessarily buying this. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But how are we all of a sudden getting aliens that are just showing up in people's backyards? Oh, man, they were like eight feet tall. And it had a huge tail. And you should have seen his cock. Like, it was unbelievable. <laughs> but, like, all of a sudden, it's just like all eight feet tall, long arms, buggy eyes, you know. Man, I watched Star Trek as a kid. I know what these things look like. Can you measure it? Right? Like, that's what this, this feels like a trend of, hey, there's aliens in my backyard, which obviously knocks this down a notch. Yeah. But do you believe this? Yeah, I don't know. I, I like looking at the video, the the actual creature, if that's what we want to call There's it. There's like an eight foot person beside it, in, in and another video. one's inside, and, and it has big eyes and looking at us. And it's over Right? Like, okay, where is this on your property? Uh, uh, in my backyard. The other thing I have questions about. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually weird. So there's two, so there's there's two people or two. Oh, I think a lot of people have cameras in their backyard. Yeah, but cameras. I have cameras no, all over but, my backyard. But hear me out. Hear me out. You don't have infrared cameras. Dude's got an infrared camera chilling. There's like in. an eight foot person beside it, and another nah. one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us. This is not like just a normal ring camera. Okay, where is this on your back. property? This is uh, like uh, in my backyard. Equipped. Like, this I swear to God, this is like not a joke. This is right? actually weird. So there's, there's, there's two not, people not or two subjects that are in your backyard? Infrared. Correct. So you can yeah. see the heat of stuff. Like, I, I don't know, dude. It just. It, it does kind of, kind of smell of you faked a video, but. I don't know, dude. I'm not convinced that that was actually an alien. Did you see this thing from Jupiter today? And I retweeted it. And I, I should probably have had the shot. But do you guys, do you guys, I mean, where are you at on aliens? That This is, a, this is turning into like a twice a week thing now is what this feels like. Uh-huh. And there was this shot of a... a we have a vehicle, a space vehicle, mm-hmm. that is studying Jupiter. And it, it, caught a, it caught a picture of a green light on Jupiter. And they, they immediately said, well, it, it's a reflection from a lightning storm on Jupiter. And NASA's Juno mission spotted this green light on Jupiter. Yeah. And they're trying to be like, hey, man, it's just lightning. There's nothing to see here. You need to get off your little telescope. Why is it always green? Can I ask that question? You need to get out because it's like gonorrhea or something. You need to get get off your your telescope, Rotney, and don't you worry about it. This is just an echo from lightning on Jupiter. Let's go somewhere. That's it right there. Hey, uh, can we get in space gate and go to Jupiter? What do you think? No. According to NASA, the Juno mission spacecraft that began five years ago is now in an extended mission 
to explore Jupiter until 2025 or until the spacecraft fails. It completed its 31st close flyby on Jupiter December 30th. And it was 19,000 miles above the planet when it caught this image. It's a big-ass light, dude. Of a green light. They're saying this is a lightning echo from 19,000 feet. And I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't, I'm not into it. Yeah, I, that's awfully convenient, dude. That's a long way away to be lightning. I, so what, that was just a massive lightning bolt that emitted that much light? That's what we're saying? Yep. Jet Wayman says aliens are real, bro. Don't know if the video is real, but I do think they exist. Yeah, man. Matt Ritson says looks like Planet of the Apes. A bit, yeah. Big Jack 512, it has big eyes and it's looking at us. It's going to drag you to the bottom right? of the like, ocean. That's the other thing. Hey, there's <laughs> there's two of them, and they're like eight feet tall. Like, come on, dude. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let me get this right. So there's aliens in your backyard. You thought you had time to call the cops. Mike Maples. Nope, I'm finding out if that thing is bulletproof for sure. Yeah, right? Like, is that... Here's the problem. What if it is bulletproof? Then it's coming for that ass. Like, you can't... Mike Mapes? You can't outrun that But thing. think about it. Would you rather die in an alien gunfight or in the bottom of the ocean? Oh shit, an alien gunfight. Right? Fight. Like aren't you a let like if you're you know, if you're if you're in the truck stop conference and you get into a fight with an alien in your backyard. Oh, I'm pulling out a nine or right? a shot. I'm pulling out my twelve gauge and I'm going to town. Right. You you even look at me and I'm putting one you in your face. You kill an alien. Let's say you found some way to kill this alien. How much are you selling it to the government for? I'm not. I'm not. It's called brisket. Uh, Gabriel, I'm tired of trash camera qualities these videos have. It's annoying, especially in 2023. I didn't think the quality was that bad. I actually questioned why it was so good. That was my thought it was good quality? Yes. Yeah. At night, for a backyard camera, this is pretty damn good There's like an eight-foot person beside it. Stop. And another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us. And it's still there. That looks like a Okay, where is this on your property? Uh, in my backyard. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually weird. So there's, two, terrified it. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard? Correct. And they're very large. Nah, bro. Yeah. I, I, nah, bro. I'm not, I'm not here for that. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe that. Maury Alvarez. My in-laws are in Roswell right now looking for the aliens. They're going to be looking all day tomorrow for them. Are you being serious? <laughs> okay. Big Jack 512, definitely alien gunfight. That's an awesome... All right, that's what I'm saying, dude. Radio host and known fat ass dies in a gunfight with an alien. <laughs> Coincidentally, he lost weight when the alien sucked his massive brain out of his cranium. <laughs> he also lost weight because he crapped himself during the gunfight. That's YouTube what it would hack be. dies trying to interview alien. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> YouTuber dies when alien mistakes his fat gut for a brisket. Next at 10 o'clock on KSL. (laughs) KSL News. We have breaking news this hour at KSL. A white salamander alien ate the ass out of a radio host. Some believe it was an alien. We believe it was all made up. Suckmyass.com. Gephardt investigates next. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Uh, 
OG Gary AR15 versus Alien and I ain't taking the, uh, and I'm not talking about Austin Reeves exactly Damn. right. <laughs> exactly right. Derek Myrie says Derek Myrie says good night. Good night friends. Good good night. Uh Matt Ritson for $1.99 says movie call run silent run deep Clark Cable. Uh okay. Nah bro. They're dead at the bottom of the oceans, right? Yeah. They're dead. Uh, final comment of the night, Jet Wayman, casuals killed by aliens in epic gunfight. Next at 10 on KUTV 7. <laughs> <laughs> After the jazz game on KJazz, fat ass loses gun battle with aliens. <laughs> Live from Rose Park next. Hot MILF and Draper murdered by aliens. <laughs> Gephardt investigates next. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> Exclusive video of Draper Milf being mauled by what we thought was a cougar, but turns out to be a Martian. <laughs> Sponsored by Wasatch Front Kia Kia Kia. <laughs> I don't know. We got to go. Uh, OG Gary, what's up? See you later. Gabriel says, what a great ending to the show. <laughs> Hell yeah, it is. Presented by our good friends at... Buckedup.com. You want to kill aliens? Take get some shot. Get some buck shot. <laughs> Say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake. <laughs>